0: So I don't know what I... Whoa. Come on now. Bless you. huh? You guys ready? You want to do this? Everybody have one? Man, this is good. We're just going to remember... Just do this quick. Go to 1 Corinthians 11 real quick. Did any of you guys... Uh take your thing last, last Monday and just do it on your own? Yes. Did you? Did you? Did some of you do that? Cool. Oh yeah, you told me your little testimony, how she did it. And it was like at the end of the day, later at night, and you still had it. And it just worked out to be a good intimate thing. That was cool. Yeah, she shared that with me. And It's like in her... What is that in your bedroom? Terrible. It's good. There's something about you pursuing Him when you're all alone that will so supersede anything you really do when you're together to a degree. Because actually, once you do this, and there's a level of God-reality, when you're together, it amplifies everything anyway, so, so you can still have awesome experiences together. But, but I'm telling you, there's something about getting alone with Him, when nobody's looking. And just believing. Really. And, and maybe taking like a communion little communion thing like this and, and just remembering him let's look at this real quick and we're just going to do this in the, in the morning last uh, time we did school there was a real strong thought the whole time of all that is mine is yours and all that is yours is mine that's the simplest way you can define covenant covenant is, is, is two entering in together and in, in a covenant if you really study out covenant it's, it's all that is, is mine is yours and yours is mine and then there's a two becoming one thing, right? And there's a synergism in that all too. When you look at covenant and tribal stuff and and uh, weaker and it's just amazing because in uh, Genesis when Abraham, you know, God came, God Himself came, and the meat was split and He walked through it. If you look at it, I don't oh, I don't know why I'm going there, but in tradition the weaker was the one that did that, that, tr- that ritual. And what they were saying is the God's due to me and more so than what was done to this meat if I ever break this covenant. Now God's God doesn't seem like the weaker to me, <laughs> but, but, but He did that part of the ritual. And, and it has to be pointing to Jesus coming in the flesh, a lamb slain. It just has to but that's the humility the love the amazingness of god isn't that amazing because you think he would like call us to that and you better keep that or else because i'm god <laughs> and you're my but he came and he walked through the meat and uh, it was just it's just a neat if you read it it's i think it's what genesis 15 yeah that's it totally yeah he he made covenant that's, that's actually, he cut covenant, it's with his son on behalf of all men. It's amazing. And, and his son became flesh, so it's, it's with man, but it's through his son. And, and there, yeah, he, even Abraham, even in Hebrews, he could swear by no greater, so he swore by himself. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, 1 Corinthians, let's just look on verse 23 real quick. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Did you hear what Paul just wrote? I received what? From the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord. And he goes through this and it's, it's exactly what happened in the Gospels. That they wrote it out. You know, like in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John when they write out the Last Supper in the Gospels. Isn't it amazing Holy Spirit can give people like revelation like that? And here he received this from the Lord and he's just writing the same thing. And it's it's in your Bible in the Last Supper. It's just neat. He's not saying I read the book of Matthew and realized what the Lord did. Are you following what I just said there? He said, I received from the Lord. He got revelation from the Lord of what happened that night, and it was and Matthew wrote the same thing and he was there. He has the same encounter in his heart from the Lord. It's just neat. It just shows that God speaks to us. Where we ever got the idea that maybe God doesn't speak like that or whatever. He, you can be sitting on your bed and He can just show you all kinds of stuff. I can just... Right? So I just think this is cool. So I've received from the Lord that which also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So it's really sober, huh? Keeps your heart on him, your eyes fixed on him. Thankful, taking earnest heed to the things you've heard. Thankful for what he's done. Waking up a son, waking up a daughter, having every right to life because Christ came and died. Amen? And, and, and his body was broken he he died so we can live he was separated from the father so we could forever be joined to the father we have everlasting communion with God because Jesus was separated at some point and, and he faced death we're now entered into the realm of everlasting life he'll never leave us never forsake us he's always there as close as a mention of his name there's just a lot of things you can see there he was marred more than any of the sons of men he was beaten beyond description so you could get back your rightful appearance your rightful identity Jesus took a major hit and we've got raised from the dead so there's just some things there that you can grab that are very personal Uh, the effects of sin the the cost or the price of sin if you will what sin cost man was paid for in his flesh by his stripes we are healed why because what's in here represents the blood that forgave the acts of sin but the body that was given to remove the effects of that sin It's an all-inclusive covenant. It's the body and the blood. John 6, unless you eat of the flesh and drink of the blood. It's not just the forgiveness of sins, it's the redemption from sin. You following? It's very intimate, very personal. You receive that for yourself. When you get all alone with the things we're challenged by, who's been challenged in their life by uh, physical symptoms, sickness, pains, uh, just waking up and you, you feel like you, your head's going to hurt in a minute. You know it's, you, who's ever, you know what I'm saying? So you wake up. This is just a beautiful thing because you getting alone and realizing, you know what, Lord? You created me for wholeness. You created me to be in your presence. Jesus, you took sin and the effects of sin, the fall of man, everything that Adam was never created to be, that he became because of that tree, you took away from me. I stand before you through this truth as if I've never eaten that tree. So how can sin have dominion over me? You have abolished sin, you have crushed sin, you have taken it away from me. Then you get alone and actually start believing that and let that be your reality, it changes a whole lot of stuff. And you begin to thank God for His love for you. Thank God for strength in your life. You can... Actually, there's places where authority will rise up in you. You can receive communion and you actually speak to an area in your body. I remember, I, I run all the time. So I was running uh, twice in the 16 years I've run on a regular basis. It's regular, Probably 9 out of 12 months I run a year. And... Uh, for 16 years in a row, I've been doing that. And uh, twice in that time, I was running down the road on Zarfoss Road over by Frito-Lay. It smells good over in there. I run that way. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, just pulls you down the road. But I'm going down that road and I'm not telling you to do this. You, you have to... You're not doing this. When you do this stuff, it's not a. It's not. You're not trying to find faith. You're not trying to have faith and find faith. It's because there's faith. Yes. And a lot of times we try to do stuff to find faith. We're trying to have faith. And when we get caught in that striving mentality, it reveals we don't have faith. It, it. And faith works through love. So if anything, if you feel like you're striving and trying to have faith, get get back to square one and just begin to receive God's love through the finished work of Christ. That's where faith rises. But I was jogging and something snapped in my knee. It wasn't good. I was running and, and you know, and people are always say, I can't believe you run that much. You can wear out your knees. Man, when you run, you can wear out your knees. And I'm thinking, I love to run. It And I don't believe God made my knees to wear out if I run. I believe he made them to bend and flex and all that stuff. I think that's just natural wisdom and man's experience. And it's trying to come on me. And I'm just not going to just accept that. So I'm jogging down the street, right? And my knee goes toom. And it's really like, whoa. And, and I'm running, and I'm just this kind of guy. I'm like, Father, I just thank you. You love me. You're amazing. Body, you work. I thank you, Father. You made my knees to work. And I'm running, but it looked like I pulled up lame, but I'm still running, and I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, because <laughs> it hurt, <laughs> okay? The pain was real. <laughs> I got down the road there about another probably from here at the end of the table and I pulled up And I was like man, I said knee You're not going to do this. You are not and I talked right to my knee. You say what? Absolutely, you are not made to break down. This is not my lot in life. It's not your lot I said you're created to serve me to bend to flex and to be strong. So be strong and hurt no more Thank you father and I took off and the first five steps were very difficult. <laughs> now I'm not telling you to do that. But I did that. And I wanted to do that. And I was going to keep on pushing. That's just and I, I first five steps were difficult. And about the fifth step, ooh yeah. And then boom, like nothing ever happened. And then I'm running like probably world record miles because I'm like, woohoo! like yeah it's like a rocky movie now you know i'm like running down the road and i do actually you could catch me like that running down the road sometimes i'm like i'm running up a hill and i'm feeling good and I'm, my hands go up and i'm like jesus you're amazing and i'm like yeah uh, it's just fun i get into it but that's something that and there was an authority in that i i i'm looking through this truth it's not wishful thinking it's not just god get me out of inconvenience it's love. It's truth. It's relationship. It's the finished work. It's it's what he did. It's not my idea. I'm not projecting this. He proclaimed this. So I'm just saying, yeah, and now I see my place. I'm in the world. Subdue, not be subdued. Whoa, Jesus, cross, made up it's not arrogant, it's not presumptuous, it's not wishful thinking. It's who I am now. It's who we're growing into. So I did that. I did that. There was a time I I tore a knee and and the Lord showed me that I was in a macho sin of pride on the job. That I was the oldest person on my team. I was 38. And you don't think, I don't think 38. But it's funny how when you're working with guys 18 to 21, you must think subconsciously 38. And you're aware that you're a lot older than them. And they're calling me grandpa because of my hair. And I didn't mind it, but here's what I started doing. And they ate it up. It wasn't sin to them, but it meant something to me. I started to feel like I had something to prove. I started to have to feel like I had to work and outwork these young men. And they could call me grandpa, but you can't pull as much as me. It was a macho thing. It was a pride thing. It was this me proving myself. Hey, I might be 38, but I ain't lost nothing on you, pal. Where's your numbers? You know, and I'd tease them. And they loved it. It was competitive. They were eating it up. They were just into it. They didn't see it as anything. It was fun to them. But to me, it had to mean something. And uh, I'll tell you what happens. I've read in the Psalms that God takes no pleasure in the strength strength of men's legs. So wonder if you're taking pleasure in the strength of your legs. And God ain't. He's not impressed with your legs. (laughs) Do <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I wonder if the devil finds out and you're starting to have some kind of levels of pride where you need to measure up and work hard and outwork and prove yourself and I ain't getting older, I ain't losing a step. and Because that stuff gets in us through just living in, in the world. And it was happening to me. And I was praying for guys at work and people were getting healed and pe- two people just had gotten saved and... And I was an example of Christ to the people. And I was starting to hand out tapes. And my bosses, they liked me. They liked what I stood for. They, they loved my disposition. Uh, on the last day of work, they called a floor meeting and honored me. And honored Christ to me. It was amazing. And, uh, but in that, that day, I got my foot in between two skids that were loaded and with freight. And I grabbed the thing and turned and my foot was wedged. And I turned and oh, no. snapped. Well I I'm not saying this in a mean way, I'm not demeaning anyone. I'm not a cry baby kind of personality. I, I'm 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 gentle with you and I love you and I'll smile all day with you, but I, I have a warrior kind of heart in me. Like you're not the devil <laughs> and you're not infirmity and affliction. <laughs> you're people. So I'm nice to you. <laughs> Like you're not my war, <laughs> so I'll be sweet to you. But because I have that warrior mentality and I don't have a lay down and die mentality, I grabbed the gospel immediately. It's just the hands and my knee. I it just and you know when you hurt yourself. And I just, Father, I thank you. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Father, I thank you. And I was feeling pushing. Because of the adversity, because of the... I'm pushing father, and I'm pressing through this thing. At the end of the day, I had accomplished more work than anybody in the history of the warehouse. Rick has an idea what I'm talking about. Pull in numbers. These guys are working. They're not like we work. They're working incentive. You get paid for what you do. And I was on a team of eight. I wouldn't work, number one. Because I just hung in there about three And uh, these guys only did what we were doing our whole lives for six months So I could have done more I didn't need to make a whole bunch of more money for these guys That would have hurt them anyway they were, they, We teased all the time But the last day I worked there They asked me to take this big order and show them what I could do And I did it and they freaked out You've been holding back all this time We could have made some big bucks <laughs> You guys don't need big bucks <laughs> you'll hurt yourself with it but uh, (laughs) I said you guys need Jesus you don't need big bucks you need Jesus more of Jesus (laughs) that's what I told them they freaked out on me Uh, but uh, my knee snapped so at the end of the day I did more work than anybody and when they saw my numbers they freaked out it was because of the conflict it was because of the pressing in and looking to Jesus and at the end of the day, when they said to me, how'd you do those numbers? I didn't realize what I did, but in, I was getting so, with the jesting of just the macho part, the grandpa thing, they would calling me grandpa all the time. I didn't think, ever thought, it's even to this day, that that really bothered me. I think it just made me aware that I was 17, 16, 17 years older than them, and that must have meant something. And when they asked me wh- how I pulled so much, I should have told them, shouldn't I? I should have said, well, you know, I got my foot in between a skidboard and my knee snapped and I held on to the gospel all day and I worshiped Jesus and I honored him for his blood and his body and I thanked him for restoration and strength and wholeness in a knee that's like brand new. That should have been my, that's that. that would be no, you'd expect me to answer that way, wouldn't you? And guess what I said? I said, well, I guess it's because I'm a grandpa. When you guys get to be a grandpa, maybe you'll be able to keep up. That's what I said. Now, who knows that's not why I pulled so much. I got in my car, and this isn't God judging me. I got in my car, but see, there's things in your heart that are wrong motivations. They're taken advantage of. If I put strength, faith in the strength of my legs, who knows that now my leg's a target. My leg gets taken out. Now, how strong are you, hotshot? We're only as strong as we can be in our own strength. But with Jesus, it changes everything. But he has to get glory. He has to be the highlight, right? I get in my car and I get home and I get out of my car and I can hardly walk. All of a sudden, I look down. My knee's like twice the size of the other one. It wasn't long before my knee looked like somebody pushed a football in underneath my skin. I'd never seen a knee like it. It was bad. So I called my supervisor and I told him what happened and why I pulled so much and I explained the warfare and the praying and he knew and understood. This is unheard of. He let me go all night. He didn't send me to anywhere. He said, you, uh, you rest on it all night. You call me in the morning because I said, please, I don't want to do workman's comp. Jesus is Lord. My knee will be fine. And I said, could you just give me time? And he gave me time. That's probably even illegal. I called him in the morning, I was weeping. Cuz in the morning I was laying on my bed. And the Lord said or on the couch and the Lord I said, Lord, these guys, my heart was crying for the guys. And see you got it, you got to have right reasons for why your heart's hurting. You can't be crying just cuz you're in trouble. Can I be honest guys? Come on. We're not just crying cuz we're in trouble. That can be such a zero. There's just a the bigger picture. I want to grow in this thing I want to manifest truth I'm handing out tapes I'm blessing people I know first and foremost he heals me because he loves me but now he's got me in a position where I'm manifesting stuff and now I'm the one that's down it just I'll be honest it was grating on me because of what it might do to their young souls their misunderstanding hearts you follow me? so the reason I'm crying is because how they're going to handle this whole thing It's not because I was hurting. I want to leave a good impression. I want to impact. And I'm laying there crying. And I said, Lord, I said, please give me wisdom. I said, I got to get up out of this situation. And I know you're a finished work. And I know I'm righteous in you. And I know, God, you've revealed these things yourself. And I thank you for this victory. I've got to get up out of this couch. And and the Lord began to show me the pride in my heart. And that it meant something to me to outwork those guys. That it really was important. and i'm bawling you you have no idea like, cuz i'm not waking up intentionally trying to do that it was just, it was just the thing it, it was a mind, it was a way that seemed right and i'm bawling uncontrollably and all of a sudden this light bulb kicks on <gasps> this is godly sorrow <laughs> if i could go back and change this i would and I got so excited because I just started to become the message I preach to people all the time. I was like, this is, this, this is it. This is redemption. My knee has to go back now because I'm sorry. Now that I see it, I'll never do it again. Never. It's not even, now it's exposed. Yay. This is done. I stand up and I got a knee that looks like a football, right? I can't even use it. It's like, oh, oh, oh. Who's ever tore a knee or anything? I'm like, oh, 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 oh. You know what I'm saying? So I stand up and I'm so pumped. You guys would have thought I was loco. Everybody in the body of Christ probably would have thought I was loco in the next couple minutes. Because I stand up and I'm like, nobody's in the room. And I'm like, this is amazing. You fathered me. Thank you. Oh my goodness, God. I didn't even know that stuff was in my heart. Oh God, if you forgive that and this came through that, this has to go now. Yay! I turned and smiled and looked at the steps, and I just took off running. <laughs> ah, and I'm going up the You have no idea. That's exactly what I did. I'm going up the steps, going. Ah, oh, geez, ah. <laughs> I get to the top, and I'm going. That didn't go so well. <laughs> So I reaffirmed redemption, I reaffirmed forgiveness, I reaffirmed repentance, and I made it back down the steps, and I thought, I just need to be in faith! (laughs) And I did it again! And now my knee looked like a basketball! (laughs) It was really bad. I probably hurt it so bad. Now I'm not sure what's going on. I'm in so much pain. I think I want to die. (laughs) Now put yourself in my shoes. I don't honestly believe I have a lot of head knowledge. I believe I've, I've got revelation. I've walked in things. So I understand that I'm right in the sight of God even right now at that moment. So now your mind, because of what you know... And understand your mind gets can be a detriment. Now it's like then the why question wants to come and then but if then how then why you know what we do? So I laid on the couch and I said, God, I don't know what's going on. I said, but I gotta call Mike because he told me to call him by this time. And I'm, now I get pitiful. You're to hug me, Jen. He said, Anthony, can I just hug you? Yeah, hug you And he said, no, I'll hug you Because I got pitiful, I started to cry I know you love me I know I'm forgiven (laughs) And then I called Mike Mike said, well, Danny, you need to get in here Fill out some paperwork You need to get over to our medical center And the whole time my mind Is trying to spin into the You know what I mean? I go and they send me for an MRI, took the MRI, and the whole time they're taking the MRI, the doctor checked me, the whole time they're checking me, they're telling me it's really bad, major tear, definitely surgery, the MRI I'll show, and I'm preaching the whole time, not trying to save face, not trying to, I'm just keeping myself in faith. The lady puts me on the MRI thing and she says, oh, this is a bad one. (laughs) I'm righteous I'm forgiven I'm redeemed (laughs) this can't be happening you know you think this stuff they took the MRI and I went home I'm laying on my couch weeping sometimes you don't understand this stuff and you have to be careful to wrap too much belief around certain things but sometimes it's neat how things work out because who knows every time I'm in a situation like that, I have to believe redemption and righteousness if If I let too many other things become a belief system, I'll just keep pushing away true faith, waiting for things to pan out. So I'm very aggressive, that's why I ran up those steps twice. Now I know you probably wouldn't have did that, and I know you probably wouldn't have suggested I do that. But I've done things like that in my life, and God just poof, right in the middle of the stepping. getting it? So that's why, because I understand it's truth that makes me free like what's medically wrong with my knee if it's a supernatural gospel has nothing to do with the situation what's physically wrong with me has nothing who God is and his will for me is what has to do with everything that's what makes me run up the steps like I don't care how intellectual, technical, medical background how many medical schools you went to that stuff can help in the physical and the natural to help and tend to people but it has it's so on a different page than what I'm talking about that that what's wrong with my knee has nothing to do with nothing the technicalities. You see what I'm saying? Who God is in the finished work. That's why I did that thing on the steps. Cuz I live that way. So I laid on the couch. The reason I'm sharing all this is cuz as we do this, I want you to see this this has to become our reality. This isn't a tradition. It's not just a sentimental oh, it's, it's not just a thing. Well, I want to go to church that takes communion. Well, no, we want to receive the fruit and the truth and the blessing and the manifestation of communion. Communion, co-union with God. Come on, that's deep. Doctor told me how bad it was. I went home. I laid on the couch. Never forget this. You don't forget this kind of stuff. I'm laying on the couch. I got a knee that looks like a. Well, you know, they stuck a needle in there. You'd have stuck it in the ham of a horse. I think it'd come out the other side. That needle. That needle was, it, was big. it just looked that way to me. I said, Where are you going to, what are you doing with that? I'm going to put that in your knee. What? It'll go through my knee. What do you mean you're going to put that in my knee? Just the tip of it would have went through my knee. I'm like, and he had this big, this big beaker. It was hooked to to catch all the, everybody ever have her knee drained? It looked like Mountain Dew, it was greenish yellow. It looked like Mountain Dew. It was, it was crazy. I was like, oh, he's... My knee was so... My knee... Probably running up them steps twice didn't help me. Because... And it was, this, it was this big. He went... Poof, he stuck that thing in there. He said, you won't feel this. We do this all the time. You won't feel this. He lied to me. Yeah. I hope he repented since then, because I found in Revelations, liars don't make out well. He, he said, this won't hurt very much. Oh! I screamed. I, gra- I screamed. Sque- oh! And when he pulled back that thing, it was just... And my knee was draining, and I'm like, oh, oh! And as soon as it drained, it seemed like it filled right back up. I said, look, let's just forget this strain thing. <laughs> well, I wanted to get some pressure off of it. I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> I had so much pressure. <laughs> I got home. My knees as big as it was. It was bad. Now, you know, when you're in that situation, it's not fun. And sometimes you're just like, God, you've got to heal me because of what I'm going through. It's just deeper than that. It's, more, it's just more awesome than that. I go home and lay it on my couch tears in my eyes I said well father I understand your word I don't totally know what's going on right now I admit it but I put my trust in you rubbers meeting the road here I'm on a time frame but it's a finished work and you love me and this thing you exposed that was in my heart motivate me will never be found in me again you have cleaned me forever of that deception and I just put my eyes on you and fix my eyes on you and I thank you and I just begin to pray and that mighty that wonderful Holy Spirit came on me and just healed my knee just healed it to where I stood up and was healed that's fun the two days getting there could have rocked my mind if I let it. Could have sent me on a tangent of worry and why isn't this working, but I prayed everything I was supposed to pray. Where's God? All kind of prayer. I Look, I need this to happen and striving. And <sighs> no, but it's just a settle down and hold on to love. Settle down and hold on to truth. It's my best friend. Whoa, your mind wants to go 20 other places. Settle down and hold on to Jesus. Are you guys getting this? Come on. You might not have been laying on the couch that day, but I was. It was really fun. That's the testimony I share where I walked in the office and the man was holding my MRI, reading it while I was coming in the foyer. And he said, Dan, how are you walking? Where are your crutches? Your knee looks great. And I lifted my hands very high With a heart full of worship And a foyer full of people And I said, I told you two days ago, Doc I serve a living God His name is Jesus It felt good Because it gave him just honor Because I believed in him And the doctor scanned and checked my knee And he slapped me across the knee And said, my goodness You're healed Because he was a Christian man And we had a talk when I was in a, and the reason he thought I didn't want a surgery was because he thought I was too spiritual for a surgery that's what we think right away too spiritual, for, too proud, too religious, spiritually proud for a surgery well you know God uses these things brother you don't have to be too big for that it had nothing to do with my motive I looked at him and said it has nothing to do with that sir I said, I believe you've helped lots of people and God's given you a gift and ability and I thank God for that and thank God for all the people you helped. I said, my issue is where's the power of his name that changes things when I speak Jesus? I said, that's the aggression of my heart. And I said, I'm going to have it. And that's why you're not going to do a surgery on my knee because I'm going to have that. He looked at me and said, you're really serious about this. I said, you, you have no idea. I said, I'm just playing it way cool for you. So two days later, because that's my motive, and because of this truth right here. Come on. This never challenges this. This never redefines this two days later this n- this should never question this this is what changes everything and what we do is we shift because of experience and we turn this in this beautiful relationship into a method we apply to get a better knee and if it doesn't get better we got questions and it produces unbelief and concern instead of faith in Him. You follow me? So This is a big deal what we're doing this morning. But it was really fun for him to slap my knee. You know what was? You know what was more fun because of my heart for my coworkers. Walking back into work and never missing because that was my weekend. I never missed a day of work. Now guess what the MRI said? Major tear. Emergency surgery five months rehabilitation. Yo! Do you guys see what's wrong with me? You see why I act the way I act and talk the way I talk and smile the way I smile? Because this isn't a doctrine. It's a reality. And and it could be lived. It can be walked out. So one of the funnest parts was walking into work with my release form from the workman's comp doctor. And they already got word from the medical center that I was going to be out for at least five months. And I go walking in and hand them my paper, and my coworkers go surrounding me, and my bosses come around me, and I'm not hobbling. I don't have a blown out knee, I don't have a big football. I just, it's me. And they're surrounding me like, what's going on, man? We heard you were this and that and you were this. Yeah, I was. Yeah, but what do you mean? You, yeah, but they said you were going to be out. Yeah, that's what they thought. <laughs> but they said your knee was like, Mike said he looked in the car. He said, Dan's going to be out a long time. His knee was like this. I said, it was. And they're like, but what? And I said, guys, that's what I've been telling you all along. I had eight guys in a circle around me. My teammates, seven of them, plus the supervisor on the shift. And I ministered the truth of the gospel. And a minute into it, two minutes in, the one guy said, You really do believe this stuff, don't you? And I took a step back and I said, You better believe it. And he went, Wow. Isn't that cool? So my motivation was deeper than just help. Because if it's just help, two days has you spinning, and this is challenged. But if your motivation is love and relationship and growing in him, this challenges the situation and keeps pressure on that situation. (laughs) And then you lay it on your couch and that wonderful Holy Spirit comes. He does, he sews it somehow, I don't know how he does it, whatever he does, but I felt him heal my knee, isn't that sweet? Ugh. So the body was broken for who? Oh my goodness, it says that, doesn't it? Wow, so we're going to do it and remember it to him, this cup, it's a new covenant, It's not an old law through sin and death. It's not you sin, you die. You make your bed, you sleep in it. It's I love you. Live in repentance with a sincere, pure heart. And even if you make a mistake, be sincere and want change. And I'll cause your life to live like you've never made a mistake. That's how powerful mercy is in the gospel. And we don't preach it that way a lot. (laughs) Don't you tell me you made your bed and you sleep in it. I'm sleeping in his bed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Serious, don't you even tell me. why well, you reap what you sow, brother. No, once I see that what I sowed wasn't God, and I'm sorry and wish I didn't sow it, it's immediately out of the ground, and heaven's my reward. Especially spiritually talking. Sometimes you have to reap some things in the natural. You know, here's some repercussions. You've got to walk out practically. But as far as being right with Him and finding favor... And I promise you, as far as judgment and sickness and disease, some people say I used to have this fellow in my life that he said, Well, man, every time I argue with my wife, I have to suffer. I got a headache all the next day. Never fails. Every time I have a fallout with my wife, it's a given, it's a headache the whole next day. To the where he began to receive that and expect that. And I said, Well, what are you doing? What do you mean? He said, "Well, it's because of that, and it's just what comes on me because I opened the door." I said, "Well, close the door." (laughs) I'm just—I don't understand what we do. We—we come on. Deal with the permission to have a fallout with your wife. Get your heart in a place where, man, and see your value. And why would I be that in her life? And close the door. And even if you do slip into a weakness, you're purposing strength. And God, thanks for making me more like you towards her. And let the headache be somewhere out there. I've had people tell me, well, I'm going through this because I did this, did that, and did that. What? Well, change the way you think and then everything changes. Don't wear it. Don't receive it. It's not your garment. Are you following me? Come on, it's just true. Why? Because it's the blood of the new covenant. It's a new and living way. You enter with boldness. You come in and you get clean. And you do this and as often as who does it? You do it. You can do this every day. Now some people get offended when you say this, but you could be pulling, pouring a bowl of cereal and just for a contact point of faith, you could pull out the Cheerio. You say, Lord Jesus, I just looked into this bowl of Cheerios and for some reason thought of you. Break the Cheerio in half and you just start to proclaim the covenant of the gospel. Take your little spoon and dip it in there and I just thank you for it. Come on. It's a contact point. Yeah. You wouldn't need the Cheerio milk, but wonder if it just gives you a contact point. It just stirs you in remembrance. Yep. Remembering. Yep. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Come on. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, buddy. See? Every time I eat cereal now. <gasps> You're going to walk in holiness, dude, the rest of your days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You made provision for me. You died so I could live. You gave yourself that I have life. You became what I was so I could become what you are. You're a son and I'm a son. I'm made in your image. Thank you for loving me. And because all that was yours, all you were in the flesh, your flesh and your blood, you gave it all. You didn't reserve anything. You gave me all that you were and all that was yours was mine. And now in return, all that is mine is yours. I honor you with my life. That's communion. Man, it's not a religious tradition that we do on Sunday. It's a truth of your relationship. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. See, I'm just talking about heart and purpose and motive. Getting our getting ourselves in a worthy manner. Amen? Now, you have to understand some of the text he wrote this in. There was people coming early. They were drinking the wine, getting drunk, and eating the bread for lunch. They just were... Because if you read the verses before, you'll see why he's addressing this. There was people coming early and, and eating a lot of bread and they were drinking a lot of wine. <laughs> he was just cleaning house, man. He was like, hey guys, what are you doing? <laughs> But if you're drinking in unworthy, if you miss the purpose, if you miss unworthy manner, sometimes we think it's just, you know, hidden sin in our heart and all that. Of course we don't want to live with that. If you do that, your conscience is already violated and sh- faith is already shipwrecked. The unworthy manner could simply be just without the sincerity of heart and without true understanding and just discerning the truth of what you're doing, the power, the holiness, the impact. Just getting religious and traditional with it. Just going through the motions. You can do that if you actually if you have a church that takes a, a, a communion every day. You got people in the congregation that embrace the beauty of it and understand the holiness of it every week when you gather, and then you got other people that just fall in the trap of the tradition. They just go through the motion of it. You follow what I'm saying? You're the steward of your heart. You keep yourself alive. This bread or this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat. Just check your heart out. Just make sure every time you do stuff you're not religious. Man, I tell people to do that on Sunday morning when you wake up and go into church. Shake yourself on why you're getting ready and going because the tradition is because it's the right day. And it's what we do. (laughs) Next thing you know we're in church because it's Sunday and you're there because it's service time. And there's no faith in going. There's no, while you're showering, getting ready. Father, what an honor to be in a family. Father, I thank you that today we can meet with you corporately in your presence. And I thank you that you come and you just lavish us with your love and with understanding. I thank you that as we gather together, we become more like you. And when we leave, we'll look more like you. What an honor to see my brothers and my sisters today. I'm desiring to hear your voice. Bless pastor and let him tear it up, God. Let him kick higher than he's ever kicked. God, thank you. Right? How easy is it to just get up and go to church because it's Sunday And you never even really think about or never even really connect with God But you're in church because you're a Christian Come on, this is the stuff, this is so simple But it's so huge in your life These are the little simple things That if you begin to enter into this communion place And be sincere in everything you do And have purpose behind it And have true motivation You'll walk in a greater revelation and understanding Of everything you're walking in you get it? There's so much in all this stuff. Sometimes you, can't, you just feel like you can't even just take it right away this morning. You just feel like we're going here. I wasn't planning on doing this. What's new, right? <laughs> school. Where's <laughs> your school? Come on, these are simple things. Who could receive? Who can honestly say somebody could receive something out of that in this room today about getting up for church and going to church and just doing that in communion and and wrapping faith around everything you're doing? Having vision behind everything you're doing. At least you get trapped into just, oh, I'm here because I'm here because that's where I was supposed to be. Come on, that's pretty lame if you think about it. It's just blood. You're trapped in tradition. We're just cattle going through a gate. We're not sons and daughters and your brothers and sisters and we have great purpose in our gathering we're actually called to gather to stir one another in love number one and good works number two why is it in that order because it's not just good works everything flows out of love to stir one another up in love and if we stir up in love there's good works that's why we gather To stay focused and fixed in the midst of a dark age, in the midst of a twisted generation. To stay focused and fixed on who we really are and not get drawn away. It says, encourage one another daily, lest there become the hardening of a heart and the deceitfulness through sin. So it's a great honor to gather, isn't it? We ought to have great purpose in why we come together. No worship leader should ever have to plow the atmosphere. (laughs) Leadership shouldn't be behind the scenes trying to come up with songs to activate the people. Come on, this stuff happens constantly in churches and leadership and worship teams. And there's actually schools and conferences for worship leaders to lead people into God and to get them cranking and we would be a good day if you'd be stoked when you wake up. <laughs> be a good day if you're already cranking on the way in the car. Yeah. Instead of arguing about where you're going to eat after church and wondering if Pastor's going to preach long because you want to get to somewhere. <laughs> see, yeah. see, you're the steward of your heart. You're the one responsible for all those motives and things. You gotta. You're the one that gives yourself to what you give yourself to. That's what we've got to realize. And I gotta shake myself, right? If I gotta shake myself. And sometimes just say, flesh, you died a long time ago. Why do I hear your voice? Shut up and follow. (laughs) (laughs) Serious. (laughs) What do you mean you don't want to? You ain't got a voice in this. You died, remember? (laughs) You gotta get started. You gotta live out of your spirit. Your spirit first. Right? We live in the Spirit. Come on, I'm just talking about straight up disciplining yourself sometimes in a good way and calling your flesh dead. That's not legalism, that's not works to get your flesh hushed. There's times I walk my bedroom. Father, I thank you. You've made me spirit. I'm a spirit. I'm in touch with the spirit of the living God. You're revealing all things to me. I live out of my spirit. The spirit of God rules and dominates my life. And you're renewing and changing my mind through truth. And my mind is in agreement with my spirit. And my flesh says, yes, sir. I've prayed that stuff for years. I said, Father, I thank you. My spirit is willing and my flesh is strong because my whole being's in agreement with truth and I'm running this race worthy of a prize. I ain't giving no place for the flesh. I said, Well, Jesus said our flesh is weak. Yeah, if you don't stay in prayer and faith and focus, that's when your flesh is weak. <laughs> Watch and pray. At least you fall in temptation because your spirit's willing, your flesh is weak, so don't give it a voice. Keep it submitted and surrendered. Keep it dead. Oh, you should hear the stuff I prayed. Father, I thank you this old man is dead. He is buried so deep. He is never coming up. He's under mounds and mounds of truth. He's way deeper than six feet. He's under heaps and mounds of truth. And he will never live again. I have prayed that in my bedroom when you weren't there. And then you wonder what's wrong with me. You see, do you get it now? See, I've prayed that stuff for years when you weren't there. And guess what? I mean it. I don't want an occasion for the flesh. I don't want to do something when nobody's looking. I want to know him more. And when nobody's looking, I'm seeking his face. Transformation of your life right there. Don't you get distracted, don't you get deceived. Don't you say you're hungry with your heart and then deny that hunger with your flesh. Come on. I'm talking straight right now. It's just, that's kind of a fathering thing. I can feel it right now. <laughs> I'm just talking to you now. <laughs> Let me take off my belt. Oh, I don't have one. Okay. Oh, no. Just I don't know what came over me. Cast it off of me. Anthony, pray. No. What I'm saying is you're accountable. Be the steward of your heart. Be your own best friend. Be your own best friend. Why would you hurt yourself? Why would you have a desire in your heart and then quench it with some passing thing? Man... It's okay to. Paul said, I buffet myself, my body. I bring it into subjection. Come on. I bring it in. I don't beat as one aimlessly. I'm running with purpose. I'm in a war. I'm fighting and I'm winning. And I buffet my body, I keep it in subjection. At least, therefore, I preach these revelations Christ has given me. They're not my reality. That's really what he means by disqualify. I'm preaching all this truth and not enjoying it. The way he uses that in that particular spot is an athlete's term. Right that's it she's saying about uh, the way he uses that in that section of scripture is an athlete's term and it means be the best and run by the rules be the best finish finish well Uh, I used to walk I was was saved about a year and this prayer came in my heart I, I prayed it for a little season I'd be running around, he, man. It's one of my carpeting wore around my bed, because I would get running. Well, you see, sometimes I get a little excited. I calm down because I gotta preach to you guys. But when I'm in my bedroom, man, there ain't no bridle on me or nothing. I are just like, Jesus lets me gallop. Why? Why does He anoint you? Why He anoint, Why does He anoint you like a wild ox? Because you can't yoke a wild ox, and I won't be yoked. <laughs> He says, I'll anoint your head and and I'll strengthen you like the wild ox. Why the wild ox? Because you're wild. You can't be yoked and domesticated. You ain't put no harness on me. (laughs) Yeah. I'll buck you right off. If you ain't God, I'm throwing you. (laughs) Man, I feel I'm getting flaky now. I got to be careful. I'm feeling this thing. Because see, I would be in my bedroom. Father, I thank you. I thank you. Watch what I would pray. This is pretty intimate. I thank you that you've raised me up to be a prize racehorse. And I'm on the track of your purpose and destiny. And I'm going to ride you to the finish line. Take you to the finish line. Father, you're riding me like a prize racehorse. And I'm going to cross that finish line. Thank you, you're riding me to the finish line. And I would pray this way. And then I stepped on pastorally. And when they brought me in pastorally... My pastor went out of country, and it was the first week. And he was out of country, and you know, I'm, I was never a pastor. I mean, I, he told me I was office staff manager, office manager, a whole meeting I oversee the staff. I'm like, it was my first day. <laughs> that night, we had a guest speaker. He preached; it was awesome. He prayed for people. Never forget it. I'm sitting there with my wife in the front. It's my first Sunday. Officially that people called me pastor and he said Are you hearing anything there's something not done yet are you hearing anything and I'm like Man, I'm not hearing anything. I feel like this was great and feel like we go home. He said no He said nope, we're not done He just stood there. He said just tell me if you hear anything pastor And, And I'm like man. I don't hear nothing (laughs) <laughs> I wonder if I'm saved no <laughs> no I'm sitting there thinking I don't hear nothing and he said oh I, I see it I, it's you it's you step up here I need to pray for you and your wife God wants to speak and I'm like really yeah this is your first day you're just stepping on pastore. This God wants me to bless you and I went okay I stood up with my wife, she's real. she's sitting there, timid, you know, just looking and I'm standing there and I close my eyes and he says, son, prophesy, son, I've raised you up and you're my prize race horse and I have a destiny for you and I'm going to ride you to the finish line. And he kept on prophesying, but that's all I remember because I woke up on the floor sometime later. <laughs> That man said, Son, you're my prize racehorse. I've raised you up as a prize racehorse. And I'm going to ride you to the finish line of my purpose. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at my wife and she said, What happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I said, I don't, I don't know. And <laughs> <laughs> I got up and, Whee! <laughs> That's so good. But see? Those personal things. You pray in those things. You mean it. Look, I told you before, either in that se- in that place in my room, I'm either totally whacked and wasting time and ought to get a life, or I'm before the Lord. And all of a sudden, this man just speaks over me my prayer from the closet. And God says, it's exactly right, son. You're my resource. Keep running well. And I'm poof, I'm blasted. Whew. Just the impact of the intimacy of that was enough to wreck me. I just went out. This is a long communion, isn't it? <laughs> yeah last week last week I said we're going to do communion at the end but at least I warned you this one, I thought I said let's just do this right away didn't I say that today let's just do this right away we're getting there come on we live in eternity chill chill we live in eternity I had one I had one vision of the hand of God coming from heaven once in an open vision my whole kitchen turned into a sky and there was no wristwatch on the fall. And I'm wondering, I'm thinking I should just take mine off. I did that one time. I was preaching at church and I shared that vision, I shared it, so I threw my wristwatch and then I forgot it and they had to mail it to me. <laughs> so it was laying back somewhere in the cable somewhere, they found it. I said, maybe, I should just let it there, it gets me in trouble. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread. Isn't that amazing? It's a bread and a cup, because it's a dual purpose, it's a finished work. The act of sin forgiven through the blood. The effects of sin erased through the body. God made his son who knew no sin to be sin that we could become right in his sight. He cursed sin in the flesh and sin shall have no dominion over us. For the law of the spirit of life through Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was weakened through the flesh, God did and accomplished by sending his son. So when we do it, we do it in remembrance. <laughs> do it very intimately, very personally when you're all alone. Do it often when you're alone. Because you'll build that revelation in your own heart. And it won't just be a corporate experience. It'll be a personal understanding. You following me? Oh, my. Isn't it a lie? Some people have thought you can only do this in church, that a priest has to minister. And all He says as often as you do it. You do it in remembrance Man, hey. Who does it? You do it. Amen? Amen? For he who eats and drinks an unworthy manner eats, drink, eats judgment to himself. Man, if you don't if you don't be the steward of your heart, who knows you're just judging yourself by that. You're not discerning the Lord's body, uh you know, so there's all kinds of stuff out there. You could, is he talking about the body of Christ? Discerning the people because he's addressing them and they're, they're misusing their brothers and they're coming and eating the Lord's supper ahead of time and getting drunk and filling their belly. And they're not discerning the, the family, the people walking in love. Well, it can mean both. We don't have to get technical on it. You want to discern the value of one another and you certainly want to discern the value of what he's accomplished. True. So we don't have to fight over that. It's not a doctrinal difference. For this reason, look at this. This is amazing. He doesn't say everybody. He just says many. For this reason, many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep means died early. Now, what's he saying? Now, see, that doesn't mean, when you read that stuff, people get judged. and yeah, Oh, my God, maybe that's what happened. Uh, see, that's, that's just how the devil's trained us to think our whole life. Just to hear the word of, oh my God, and come under condemnation. That's never God. Look what he's saying. It's something to consider to keep your heart alive. Look, for this reason, he's kind enough in the Lord, in the Holy Ghost, to share motive of heart, discernment, uh, doing it in a worthy manner, communion, taking it serious, getting in fellowship with God. And he says, because we don't grow in this and establish this and give our heart in this sincerity a lot of stuff's coming upon us that wouldn't be able to if we do this in sincerity and true faith. Is that fair enough? I'm, I'm, I'm making that so simple for us this morning to have personal implication and impact. Because I could preach that more inclusive than I am right now. But I'm saying for you personally why don't you just settle on this? Wow. If I keep my heart before Him and I do this and remember Him and I do it with sincerity and I guard my heart and I'm the steward of my heart and I examine myself and my motive and why I'm doing it. It's not religious tradition. It's not just to make me feel like I did my devotion today. It's my face-to-face seeking. It's my encounter with You. It's my communion with You. And from all my heart, I'm receiving all that You are to me and in all my heart, I'm giving all that I am back to You And all of a sudden I realize, wow, because of this, I'm going to walk in this covenant grace that keeps me strong, healthy, and alive. Because that's the opposite of that list. Come on. Weak, sick, and sleep doesn't sound like kingdom. Strong, healthy, alive sounds like kingdom. And it's not because you're just a good Christian. It's remembering sincerely and embracing what? What he did. It's like praying for the sick. It's not your prayer. It's believing what he accomplished. It's not you praying right. It's you believing right that heals the sick. Come on. It's his finished work. So let's do it. What do you say? Okay. Forgive me. Verse 31. I just looked down. It's the Holy Spirit's fault. Blame him. He has big shoulders. He can take it. For if we would judge ourselves no judgment would come. There's your answer right there. If you just keep be the steward of your heart and you keep your motives clean and clear, no judgment would come. We're getting a message. The Message Bible. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Master irreverently, irreverently. Break that down. It covers everything I just said. It's like part of the crowd that jeered or spit on him in his death. In other words, you're not taking heed. You're not taking serious. You reduce it to a tradition, a religious action. And what's any different in that than people that totally rejected him? See, there's no middle ground. Did you ever understand that there's no middle ground? There's no gray zone. There's nothing in the middle. There's light and there's dark. You're either for him or against him You either gather to him or you scatter no There's no middle man There's no gray zone There's no fence There's no you, you can be sincere See your need for a savior And understand he died for your sins Never get your mind renewed Never yield and give yourself to him Just understand you need a savior And that you've been a sinner And, and you can embrace the same old motives The same old mindset And actually work against the very kingdom That he's trying to give you We're destroyed for the lack of It's not the choice of God It's not the will of God Get the knowledge Stop destruction Life and death is in the power of our If I don't renew my mind I'm going to think wrong Believe wrong And ultimately speak wrong And my stomach will be filled with the fruit of my lips And yet He is Lord and loves me And He's accomplished everything And it is finished Are you following me? So I don't want to do this Uh oh What happened Help Oh Yeah Help Wait No oh, Something wrong I do want to read it It's a cell phone I don't even know what's going on It does I was, I was afraid I was holding it I was thinking it was going to ring And somebody was going to say uh Pastor Dan <laughs> How do you know what Well the Lord just told me you got a cell phone, now I could call you. This is not where we were. What verse were we? Only we had his phone number. Here we are. Is that is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? Examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to this meal in holy awe. If you give no thought, or worse, don't care about the broken body of the master, when you eat and drink, you're running the risk of serious consequences. Why? Because you'll never grow in the revelation. It's actually a form of dishonor when you fail to honor. That's where you got to s- subdue your flesh. That's where you got to say, you know, listen. Because people say, Th- that's good, that was excellent. People say, well, yeah, but I don't really feel. But it doesn't feel like I, you know, I don't give. You, you know how I feel about feelings. Why do we give so much preference and place to feelings? So if your heart, you live out of your heart, with the heart a man believes, not with his mind. Well, I would take communion, brother, but it just doesn't feel like it's real to me. It doesn't feel like God's even in the room, so I don't take it. Come on, that's just already. You just let's just like Right? So by faith, Father, it doesn't matter what it feels. You said you're here, you're here. You said you love me, you have to love me. And right now I'm remembering what you did. And now see, now by faith you're giving yourself to something. By faith, pressing against your feelings, away from your feelings, submitting to God, resisting everything counterproductive. And all of a sudden those things flee and revelation comes. But natural wisdom says, well, but I don't feel, unless it's real, I'll feel religious. I don't want to go through the motions. I'm going to wait till it gets, feels more real. That's how it's going to become real. By pressing through the lack of revelation By pressing through the feelings By going in your bedroom and saying Flesh, you're coming with me You're following just because you're here You know, if there was a way to, for it not to come That would be cool But what I mean is you're coming And you're being in agreement You're not going to be a detriment to me I'm not listening to feelings I'm not listening to a lack of desire And I'm not listening to the thing Well, it doesn't seem real It doesn't matter I'm living by faith And I'm meeting God in communion today Come on, you got to live that way. If you'd be honest and we'd go around the room, there's a lot of us have dealt with our Christian relationship based on our feelings and we haven't pursued more because it hasn't seemed real and that's the very reason to pursue more so it becomes real. You following me? Okay. Point taken, I hope. Right? Because I'm on a tangent right now with this thing. It's that feelings and sensual stuff. It stops us more than you think. Countless Christians come and say, oh, I just, I don't want to be religious. It just doesn't feel real, so I don't do it. Not just communion, a lot of stuff. Well, until God makes it more real, I don't want to. It's the total opposite. It should be the total opposite response. God, I'm seeking you till I find you. I'm looking up till I see right into your face. And the whole time I'm doing it, I'm believing. You're here and you love me and you're going to meet me here, where my faith is. It doesn't matter how I feel. Come on guys, wonder if we'd say, it absolutely doesn't matter how I feel. It matters what I desire and believe and deep down in wanting Him. And I'm not going to be sold short. True? You're going to be ruled by your senses. And then the devil will just just manipulate through sensual living. Follow me. Did you have a question, Linda, or did it? No, oh, I was just going to say. Hang on, Becky's coming with the mic. If you want to get on, if you want to get on in the air. Miss Linda. I was just thinking because a lot of times I think, why can't I cry? Why can't I feel? Had his, his um, hanging on the cross. Why doesn't it make me cry? Okay, good thought. I've had people say that same thing. We we judge ourselves based on what we're not, and we feel like we should care more and cry because the story's so amazing, right? So then, when you assess yourself that way and introspect yourself that way and search yourself out, now you're falling short. Now there's something wrong with me, and then you're starting to th- well, maybe I really don't care. Well, maybe I really don't honor. All the more reason, what? To get alone, Father, I just lift up this right now and I don't know, sometimes it feels like I should cry. Sometimes it feels like I should care more and see more, but you know what? The best I understand, you love me and it's an amazing thing you did, and you have rescued me and you have to stay in truth and in faith in that place. And not let all Because watch when you start weighing yourself that way And introspecting yourself And you start saying Well why don't I care Why don't I cry when I think about His cross When I think about His blood There's times I cry There's times I laugh There's times I just know it's true And don't really have an emotional response There's seasons where I can't even watch a Jesus video I mean they just show His feet walking in the mud along the Jordan And it's the first appearance of Jesus on the video You know the whole video is leading up to the baptism And all of a sudden His feet are just walking in the mud And I'm bald. (laughs) <laughs> there he is he's coming he he's the lamb <laughs> I'm a mess with that stuff and then there's times I'll sit and watch it and it doesn't affect me that way there was a season I couldn't even watch those videos because I just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry you say well what did your heart get harder no it didn't get harder I don't even think that way I love Jesus you see what I'm saying but you don't want to introspect yourself and come up with a negative resume it's never the will of God so if you have that wonder in your mind and that question, all the more reason to what? To do this and acknowledge Him and step in by faith. And it's not about you crying, it's about you believing. It's about you remembering. And as you do that, Linda, you'd be amazed how revelation increases and how even there's times you'll realize, wow, it's not, God's not demanding a certain emotional response, He just wants heart faith. And sometimes that'll just be so enough. And then there's times where you'll see it more endeared and different and and intimate than you've ever seen it and you'll find yourself weeping. Mm -hmm. But either way, the key is, is that we live by what? Faith and remember Him. Amen? So let's take your little rice wafer. See, it is okay. If we could use a Cheerio, we can use this little plastic disc. (laughs) <laughs> Don't anybody play frisbee with it. It's the body. Amen. Serious. Serious. I'm just being serious here. I'm not trying to be silly at a every time, but it just looks like it's not the body. So see, see, we're drawing faith out of you in this school. Because if you can believe this is the body of Jesus, Randy Clark says there's circles. I love Randy's teaching on it because he doesn't bash beliefs. And he says there's some people that actually believe that when you sanctify these that that literally becomes the flesh and blood of Jesus. And, and he said, that is so beautiful. He said, I wish I had faith for that. He says, I love that. That's so beautiful. He said, I would never mock them and make fun of them. He said, I wish I could believe that. That was so humbling when I heard him say that the first time. I thought, what of you? Because that's pretty holy and reverent, huh? <laughs> And and instead of criticizing it and saying, well, it's just a contact point of faith. It's not actually the blood and body. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, brother. You need to get theologically correct. What Randy's saying, if there's a heart, that childlike that could actually believe and so fix their heart that this literally becomes the partaking of the literal body and blood of Jesus, and it's that intimate and deep. He said, man, I wish I could believe that, he said. It like almost made me cry the first time I heard him teach that. He said, I wish I could believe that. He was honoring a faith like that. Rather than questioning their theology. You see that? So what can you believe right now? Come on, release your faith. Hold up the body. Lord Jesus, we honor your body. And on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body. And it's broken for you. Love brought you here. Before the foundation of the world, you were slain. Father, you never left us as orphans. You never left us alone. We've always been your sons. You always had redemption in your heart. And love brought your son. We hold up this right now as the body of Jesus. Sometimes by faith you might want to just, before you take it, you might want to just break it. I do that sometimes in my own life. And I see this is the body. It was broken. Jesus, you were broken so I could be mended. You were separated. You said, "Why have you forsaken me?" Darkness fell over the earth. There, there was a period where, where you cried out, and it seemed like it just seemed like the Father wasn't there. That's what it seemed like when I read my Bible, and and I realized that He's always with me. It's amazing if you took a, a moment of separation so I could have forever communion. You went into death, so I the realm of death, so I would never die. You, you. you You came and paid the price that only you could pay. And right now I say, all that was yours you gave me and I receive it humbly. And I say, all that is mine is yours. I don't just take this to receive the benefit of it, but I enter in to communion with you. And I say, my life is in you. God, thank you. Your life is in me. Because of it, I'm whole and I'm free. I'm loved and forever alive and forever at peace with you. Thanks for making it happen, for capturing my heart and bringing me to the place of understanding. By faith, I receive right now and take this body that was broken for me. Release your faith, guys. Thank Him. Get personal right now. even if you just want to whisper out His love, thank you for loving me. That you would come and die for me. It's an amazing statement of value and purpose. There's a whole lot more to my life than I've lived. Thanks for making it known to me. So that I can walk in the truth and bear the fruit of destiny. He took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's a new covenant. It's a new and living way. We approach boldly with an unveiled face. Sin has been removed. Righteousness revealed. Redemption's here. There's a setting apart and a sanctifying. Called out of darkness into the light, into the kingdom of the Son of His love. It's through the blood of redemption, of remission, of sins, of forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I hold up this cup and I thank you for your holy, pure blood that was shed and poured upon the mercy seat, that I've received mercy. That as I drink this cup today, I know that I'm free. I know that I'm yours. I know that I'm clean and holy and blameless and above reproach. I know that you're not disappointed in me. You love me. You don't tolerate me. You love me. You have a great hope and future for me. And I receive the sacrifice and shedding of your blood. And I wear righteousness and look very good to you today. Thanks for letting my life bring you pleasure. I drink this cup. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Father. You guys good? I know we took a long time on that. Was that okay, though? Was that helpful? That's just a whole good thought on communion. You don't want to do things flippantly, religiously, traditionally. You want to do things full of heart. Yes. Full of heart. Amen? Amen? We've been on this track for a while, actually, because I tried to preach on fasting a little bit, remember? You do, don't you? You guys won't ever forget, will you? Matthew 6. Go there, quick. I tried to share on fasting a little, and guess what we got hung up on? Motives. And it seems really huge, didn't it? It seems important because he took this whole chapter to share scenario after scenario about motives. I don't have to rehash the last session we did, but I do want to read this. It's still in my heart. Talk a little bit probably about fasting. We'll see. We're close to the break time. But let me try to read some of this. Verse 1, Matthew 6. Take heed. That you don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. That means you have your reward already. Whatever men see, whatever men esteem you to be, whatever you receive by from people under that motive is the best you're going to get. Isn't that amazing? So it's a self-serving thing, isn't it? So it actually looks like you're doing a charitable deed, but who are you doing it for? Your own esteem. That's how it's possible... Remember the love chapter? You'd be, you could speak with the tongues of, 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 of men and angels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you have not love, you're what? Nothing. You're a clanging cymbal. It says you can have knowledge of all mysteries, faith to move all mountains. But if you don't have love, you got zero. It says you can give everything you have to the poor and give your body to be burned. And if it's not love, it's nothing. Now Watch. It's a paradox because it's a, it's a God principle. It's a principle of the kingdom to give to the poor. It's actually a big deal to the Lord. But you can give to the poor apart from love and it's zero. And you would think, well, at least the poor got something. This is how important love is. Everything flows out of love. Everything's produced after its own kind. Each seed after its own kind. See, how can a person fulfill a principle of God and be obedient to a principle of God and give to the poor and have nothing if he doesn't have love? It so reveals that our whole purpose in life is to love. Our whole creative value is love. The whole reason you're a Christian is love. Why? Because if you don't do it for love, then what did you do it for? To make a name for yourself. To leave a memory for yourself. To make yourself feel better. There's something self-centered about giving apart from love. There's something else motivating. So God goes to the extreme to pull out a principle of the Lord and say you could even flow in a principle of the Lord from a wrong place and it's worth nothing on your end. That's incredible to me. It's pretty heavy language. That's like incredible to me. So the goal of our instruction is love, isn't it? Why? Because then love is for their sake and for his name's sake. And everything is pure. And to the pure, all things are pure. And the pure in heart shall see God. See? Sometimes people are driven by other things. Hidden insecurities. uh, Hidden hidden needs for people to esteem and honor them. Feeling like they didn't get honor their whole life and they just want somebody to affirm them. You've been affirmed through Christ. You've been accepted in the beloved. You've been affirmed through Him. But then somebody could give all their stuff and do a notable, off the wall, off the chart charitable thing to draw what? Attention to their gesture to get ultimate attention to themselves. And it nullifies their giving before the Lord. And men can honor it. And men can put a statue of you in the city for a hundred years after you're dead. But heaven doesn't even remember what you did. Why? Because you didn't do it for kingdom. You didn't do it for the right heart. You just did it for yourself. You did it to draw something from men. Come on, that's amazing. Now he addresses this stuff in the Bible a lot. I mean, just think about that with the whole love chapter think about this a charitable deed we're called to do good works it says that we're going to be judged for our works meaning the response of our life through faith that our life is our life lived is what judges us according to faith you being in faith is determined by your life lived the answer to you in faith is your life lived the fruit you bear determines the tree you are right You determine the tree you are, that's the fruit you bear. But ultimately when you bear that fruit, you look at the fruit and go, whoa. So the onlooker, the onlooker looks at the fruit. We covered this early in the school. The onlooker looks at the fruit and defines the tree. You define the tree, right? And it's got now you've got the fruit. But the onlooker can't judge the motive of your heart. I can't determine what motivates him. But I can look at Daniel's life, and I can see the fruit on his tree. Right? So in the end of your life, it's not going to be were you in faith. Your life will reveal what you believed. Your life lived is the evidence of your faith. Or not faith. You following me? So the charitable deed thing, it's, we're supposed to do good deeds. But I'll tell you, if we just do them to be seen... Anthony opened and shared something really humble last week when I shared on this about there was a time he wanted to share what God was doing and and there was a need in his life just for people to see God was using him or whatever. And one day the Lord talked to him about that and said, you don't need that. He went, yeah, duh. I don't need that. That's humble. That's a cool, I like those testimonies because that's called growing in him. That's being fathered. When I hear a testimony like that, that means God's fathering people. Now, if you're not in a relationship and seeking Him and you're not getting alone and you're not, you know, doing what we've been talking about this whole school, you won't be fathered. You won't hear that stuff because you're not even listening. You following me? And you'll just continue to move by those wrong motives. Now, watch this. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound the trumpet before you. <laughs> I'm ready to do good. Everybody look. (laughs) I'm ready to secretly slip $1,000 into their family. (laughs) Hello? They don't know it. (laughs) Shh, don't tell them. I want them surprised. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Forgive me. (laughs) Just having fun with it. (laughs) As do the what? The hypocrites, oh man, it's a play actor. Somebody that puts on a mask. So it's play acting. Hypocrisy is play acting. Hypocrisy isn't praying for the sick if you have sickness. I hear that used. All that people say, I feel like a hypocrite. I'm praying for the sick and I'm sick. What's that mean? That nothing to do with hypocrisy. You're not play acting. You're praying for the sick because you believe God heals the sick, even though you're sick and you're honoring the revelation of the Word of God above your experience and you're praying for the sick because you believe God heals the sick. That's not hypocrisy. And even though you're sick, you're praying for the sick because you're making the statement, I believe God's Word, not my experience, and I pray for the sick even if I'm sick because God's Word is true. How is that hypocrisy? (sighs) But I hear Christians say, I feel like a hypocrite. I can't pray for the sick because i got my own physical issues. All the more reason to pray for the sick Because your faith says my physical issues have nothing to do with the truth of God's word yeah. And if he magnified his word above his name I'm magnifying his word above what I'm going through And I'm praying for the sick Because he said I'm to lay my hands on the sick And they recover irregardless if I'm going through my own circumstance yeah. Why is that hypocrisy? That's the tenacity of faith That's just humble living yeah. Hypocrisy is play acting It's appearing to be something you're not Okay, So that's what the hypocrites do. They sound the trumpet because they want to be seen by men. They really don't care about people. They care about what men think about them. They really don't care about the people they're giving to. They care about what people think about them doing that. And that's what they're doing it for, to draw that to themselves. So they're willing to go as far as giving that to them because of the attention... Ah. Oh, say it again, how wonderful I am. And how. <laughs> when you do, I'm really messing up, Brent. Pray for me, buddy. It's one of them days, man. I ran with Josh all weekend. We, we had a good time. We went down to Washington, P.A. So. Just, we're just having a good time. But when you do a charitable charitable deed, oh my goodness, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. You know, can you imagine that? Hey, what's in your hand? What you got over there? Look, I saw him put something in there. What is it over there? None of your business, man. Just stay over on your left side. <laughs> Just do what you're supposed to over there on the left side. Well, oh, come on, just let me see, let me see. Oh. <laughs> What'd you give her? <laughs> None of your business. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> so, if your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand's doing, probably your neighbors and friends probably don't know. <laughs> That's pretty simple. <laughs> That your charitable deed, here's why. That it's in secret. See, it so protects your heart. It so keeps your motives clean. When you come to the place where you can do something absolutely incredible and dynamic in the way of giving, blessing, laying down your life, and you don't need another human being to know it, because it was for the person's sake and it's before the Lord, that's when you've grown and matured. And you don't need another person to know it. Because it's before Him. You follow me? Why? Because your charitable deed be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. I don't suggest... Because you you can interpret that through the twist. You can actually then start giving and keeping quiet so God esteems you in the long run. Openly. Esteems you. It's not talking about esteeming. You're just manifesting love. You don't need esteem. Your esteem esteem is in the Lord. So I'm not giving to Trish and saying, Okay, God, I'm going to step out and do some radical gesture so that you openly bless me and reveal my heart to men. It just means that God's favor is upon you. He can bless you. Because the motives of your heart are healthy and pure, and the pure in heart see God. Are you, are you guys getting this? Because this, it would be twisted if you interpret it. It would be the same thing as the prior three verses. Two verses. Watch this. Watch how this keeps progressing. He just talked about giving. Now he's talking about praying. When you pray, don't be like the play actors. They love to pray standing in the synagogues because they love to impress people and people to think they're spiritual and that they have authority and that they're walking with the Lord or something. They love the way people look at them and see them. They love to pray standing in synagogues on the street corners that they may be seen by men assuredly, truly. I say to you, they have their reward already. The most they can receive there... Thanks, guys. The most they can receive there is the most they can receive. But you, but you, he's making a distinction, but you, when you pray, go into your room. Is it wrong to pray on a street corner? Is it wrong to pray corporately? Is it wrong to pray in intercession? Is it wrong to pray in a big group? The most healthy way to pray in all those other settings is because you pray when it's just you and Him. This is the most beautiful way it 's the most beautiful way, and when you come before god don 't turn it into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? <laughs> <laughs> message Bible's pretty amazing you can do that you you, you can you can uh, we can get caught in the hype of prayer and the tone of prayer and and, and and you can miss praying from the heart because you're trying to pray in an excited way. You're trying to stir the atmosphere. You're trying to whoop it up. And I will tell you what whoops it up when you're sincere and you pray from your you pray sincere. It's not just because you put an A on the end of every word. It's because it's you pray sincere. I'm just saying. (laughs) And I'm not against you putting an A on every word. Our pastor gets a few A's on the back of some words now and then, don't you? (laughs) Because he gets excited. But anybody that knows him knows his heart, so he can do that all he wants, right? But what he's talking about is that message thing. You get the mic... Now you've got to sound spirit to impress people with your ability to pray instead of your heart to pray. Big difference. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door and pray, see, there's no spotlight and limelight there except the face of your Father, which is an amazing light. But there's no affirmation from men. There's just the beauty of communion with God. And because it takes faith to go there and grow there, a lot of us miss that. And we tend to lean on the corporate settings and we find our that way. This is where you want to start. But when you pray. So he's suggesting don't even go out in the street corner and pray. This is first. When you pray. Go into your room. And when you have shut the door. Why? It's before the Lord. You pray to your father who is in the secret place. We'll talk about that maybe a little after the break. And your father who sees in secret will reward you where? Openly. So the benefit of, of, of meeting Him, the benefit of seeking Him and meeting Him, I believe is the reward. Make sense? Okay, we got to shut this down. I'm try, I was trying to get to fasting. I just don't do real well trying to get to fasting. This stuff, don't get rid, feel this is redundant. This stuff, you ought, to, you ought to weigh through this stuff and read this stuff and keep your heart strong in this stuff for the rest of your life. You've ever been through a season where you knew there was good healthy motives in you and things were clear And then all of a sudden you realize something took a little slant or something got a little dull, Or something wasn't as sharp as it could have been or used to be You just take earnest heed Why don't you guys go to a break, amen? Bless you, we'll see you in a little I heard the doorbell from the men's restroom today It really worked well Yeah, you go Sue So when you hear the doorbell Yeah Hey I didn't mean that to be that funny. I wasn't even a joke, I was so serious. <laughs> but I just appreciate you guys' revelation of me here. <laughs> I guess you know a book by its internal pages. <laughs> you read the book! <laughs> Certainly not its cover, because if you knew it by its cover, you'd believe what I said. This is a fellow online from Seattle. He just says, I, I noticed when you got born again, and I want to address this, because I, I, I noticed when you got born again, you felt the heavy presence of God. Uh, the presence of God came on me. There was a sense of peace. There was a, a God became, there was a reality of God that filled my heart. I can tell you that. Don't stumble over that. Anybody, Alec online, anybody online, because th- that's that thing of then all of a sudden, if I don't have that experience, then I don't have what you have, and I'm not born again, you subvert faith. Sometimes it's not even healthy to share what we experience tangibly because people weigh by that. uh, If I don't feel heat in my hands, I can't pray for the sick. Are you kidding me? The Spirit of God's in you. I hear it taught when you're by a hospital bed, wait for the anointing. I wonder if you believe you're anointed. If, if the Spirit of the Lord is upon me it sounds like He's come to stay why is He upon me? because He has anointed me why? to set people free that's what the list says I just summarized the list that's all without quoting the scripture why is the Spirit of the Lord upon me? because He's anointed me why? to set people free so, But here's what he says. He says, you got born again, you felt the heavy presence of God, and you were born again right then. But other times you said that you're trying to get people baptized in water the right way so that they can be born again. Just just to clarify, Alec, I'm not sure your question. I think you got some things that I'm saying just the way you're expressing it. I'm not, I'm not hearing it the way I know I'm teaching it. We're born again... Water baptism is the response of born again by faith. You guys got that, Alec? When we water baptize, we, I want people water baptized with understanding that they're dying to the old and living to the new. Okay? So he says, I'm confused. When is born again actually happening? At the realization that you need God in acceptance or at baptism? Born again happens when you see your need for a savior and die to yourself. See that you've lived for yourself and you don't want to live for you. Jesus, I give my life to you. Born again. Okay? Water baptism is the direct response of that truth. It's an outward expression of an inward happening. And it's another contact point of faith for you and I. God is so beautiful in it. He allows us to relate to the beauty of water baptism to where we actually can act it out in faith. The, the, the death and the resurrection. Yeah. So water baptism, you're born again when you receive Christ and see your need for a Savior and repent. Peter put them together. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sin. Why? Because the baptism is the answer of a good conscience towards God. So when you come out of there, you realize it clicks with a lot of people. You're washed with pure water. You're clean. I had one lady come out of the baptismal and she just cried and shared her experience. When she came out of the baptismal, she said the water was dripping and running down her face. And she said, I felt so clean. She said it was a different clean than just taking a shower. I, I just felt so washed. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Now, see, when you share that, other people try to compare. And it's not wise to compare yourselves among yourselves. We live by faith. So we say, well, if I didn't have that clean experience, should I get double dipped? Should I do it again? Should I find another? So, so see, when we teach this way and people experience you, I find when we do this water baptism stuff, a lot of people want to do it because they want to capture the experience they're seeing others because they feel like they didn't have that. It's living by feelings then the best thing you can do is in your you're sitting there watching and going that is so beautiful man I didn't it, it wasn't totally you can wrap faith around that revelation as you're watching it happen and step right into that same grace yeah. Father I thank you you love me that very way I'm just as free as I see them right now because you've forgiven me too yay and you can have your own little revival right there you don't need to get back in the pool because then we're living for an experience So to answer your question, Alec, you're born again when you see your need for a Savior and in your heart deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus by faith the best you understand. Who knows that's a growing process and you'll know more what that means three months from now than you did when you committed and you'll know a year later more what that means. So it's a growth thing, but it's sincere from the get. That's when you're born again. Water baptism is the response of that born again experience and I encourage that people do it immediately. Because there's nowhere in the Bible that you can see they weren't baptized the same day, immediately. It should be right in the message because it's dying to live. Dying to live. So I hope I answered your question. Uh, And uh, let's move on. When you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. You're not trying to impress God or get his attention. You have his attention. While you were a sinner, he loved you and has his eyes fixed on you. Isn't that amazing? For they think that they will be heard for their many words... Therefore don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him in this manner. Therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. I have things split up here. The, uh, worship, His will, provision. There's this thankfulness, it's awareness. You know, I don't encourage, uh, I, don't encourage I, don't, I don't even, oh God, I could be in trouble. Help me, Lord. Why are you, I, I <laughs> I don't know that Jesus ever quoted this prayer intending us to quote it word for word rather than catch the principle of what he's saying. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? We, we, get so, we, we all try to run from traditional legalism and we just wrap things around. We wrap tradition around. So then we quote the prayer like it's the prayer we need to quote. When you pray, pray this saying, Our Father, I thank you, you're my Father. God, you're my Father. That makes me your son. And I just worship you and honor you and I reverence you. Your name is above every name. Lord Jesus, you have been lifted up high above every name that can ever be named. I honor you. Devils fear you. And the whole earth will bow before you. Jesus, you're amazing. That's the Lord's prayer in your bedroom. Okay? And then then watch. Watch. Your kingdom come your wound. Father, I thank you. Your kingdom's at hand. I thank you that I'm not looking here or there, but your kingdom's in me. The spirit of God's upon me and you've anointed me to bear witness to who you are and to do the works that you've done. And I thank you, Lord God, that it's in reach and it's right inside. These hands are anointed. And Father, when I touch the sick, the sick are healed. There's authority in my spirit. And when I speak, all the power of heaven flows and moves and changes things because I'm your son and like father, like son and the things you do Do the things I will do Because you've qualified me through your blood Father, today, your will be done. Right? So you're praying this out on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you. It's right here. We're not waiting for a point in time. Heaven's possible now. Heaven's come to us. We're not waiting to go to heaven. Heaven has arrived. It came by the power of your spirit. And your spirit lives in me. And then you run over and look in a mirror and go, yes you do. And you just keep on praying. Serious! And you just keep on praying. And Father, I thank you. I'll never have lack. I'll never have need. I thank you Father that what I have need of to fulfill your will will always be provided and even if it seems like I don't have as much as my flesh would desire I know I will never lack what's necessary to run out and fulfill my destiny and complete this course you will never let me lack you will always provide what's imperative to run this race thank you Father and you just go on and Father my 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 heart is so thankful that I have no debt towards you I'm not working off and paying off a debt I'm not working in the mines trying to ho ho my life away and just pay off some debt I live by grace I owe you nothing but love back because I receive your great love and Father I forgive every man just the way you forgave me who owes me anything if you didn't hold me accountable why would I hold them accountable if you love me then I love them if you forgave me I forgive them it's the Lord's prayer and I thank you Father But the evil one touches me not. And I don't fear my adversary. To him it's a sign of his destruction. And to me just greater evidence of the kingdom I live in. And the salvation of my God. (laughs) It's yours. It's the kingdom and the power and the glory. You be all glory. To you God be the glory. You're all alone. You're not. You're all alone. You're in your bedroom. To you be the glory. I have no need for human esteem. I don't receive honor from men. I'm a believer. You've honored me by giving me your life, and your life is in me. Thank you, Father, that together we are one, and I thank you. I'm your son. It's the Lord's prayer. I don't think He ever intended you to just walk and, and kneel in our Father, which art in heaven, and quote that prayer. Hmm? That was, yeah, that was, that, that was, that was. The, our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right and do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals and keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. And keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. See, it's cool but see there's a message there when I talk about meditating in the word that's what I'm talking about I'm not talking about you getting religious and doing a devotion and quoting a prayer that brings sentiment to your heart come on it's the power of God unto salvation I'm talking about a revelation of understanding and the truth of what he's saying that makes us free that imputes and and imparts confidence and knowing and boldness and the capacity of life are you guys following me? You alright? I'm not demeaning the Lord's Prayer, but He never intended it to be a rosy, sentimental gesture. But He wants a truth to be revealed through it. <gasps> that you see a truth. He just doesn't want you to put stuff in a can, in a box. People say, don't put God in a box. I say, well that's just a phrase. That means don't, don't limit things, but you know, I promise you, if you have a box, God's not in it. Just look. He's not there. You're not going to put Him in a box. You might have a box. He's not in it, so it's not a matter of putting God in a box. He doesn't fit in the box anymore. He used to go in willingly, in a box. Yeah, I'm really messing with you today. He's not in a box anymore. Rub your little lamp you call (laughs) it's in you my father who lives in me holy is your name I reverence you I honor you and all of a sudden you just take time and begin to proclaim his name you honor him and you just receive his grace towards you and his heart towards you and you embrace his heart towards others that's the Lord's prayer and you never live in fear. Your heart's in peace. You're not worrying because you're seeking first His kingdom. It's the antidote for worry. Do not worry, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Why would you worry if your eyes are clear? Come on. If you're living in worry, it's because you have a wrong perspective. Your eye, You're distracted. You're thinking wrong things and believing wrong things. You're taking into your eye and heart other things. The truth is first, and the first things first is the kingdom and His righteousness first. It, it's a worry-free life. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but if you give, forgive men that trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now you have to understand. <laughs> Watch this. And if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. You have to understand something. Jesus is talking to them before He's died, shed His blood, and the remission of sin. So He's talking to men saying, look, don't you think you're going to get from God what you're not willing to give to people? So there's still a message of transformation and becoming. It's not about you getting from God, it's about you becoming like God. So don't you think God's going to forgive you because they're under the, the law here when he's talking. Jesus didn't come to remove the law, but to fulfill it. So look what he says. If you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive you. Now he dies, sheds his blood, and removes all sin. Go to Colossians real quick with me. Real quick. We've already covered this, but I want you to see the difference. You're reading Matthew 6 before the cross. And you're reading, it's still the same heart. It's not the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law. It's the heart of the law that we fulfill. There's a heart in the law. Do you understand? Are you guys getting this or are you just kind of... There's a heart in it. It's not a technical, legalistic thing. It's, It's not the letter of the law, it's the heart of the law that a Christian still walks in. I still walk in the nature and character of God that fulfills the law. But it's not a technicality. I'm not under the law. But watch this. Verse 13. Bear with one another, forgiving one another. If anybody has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also do. You're already forgiven. Forgiveness is first. Forgiveness. I'm in Colossians 3, verse 13. If anybody has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you... You also forgive. Forgiveness is first because he already shed his blood. Are you following me? So, what he's saying is look, if you have a complaint, change your heart. You need to forgive because God's already forgiven you. Why would you hold your heart at all when God's already forgiven you? Christ has forgiven you. So, he's not saying, look, if you don't forgive your brother and you keep complaining, you're going to lose your forgiveness. No, he's saying, because you're forgiven, you forgive. Under the law, before the blood of Jesus, he's he's telling them, listen guys, don't think you're gonna get from God what you're not willing to become like God. You follow me? Under that, it's give to get, right? It's, it's you gotta be, or you gotta do to be. That's the law. Under the new covenant, you gotta be to what? Do. So if I'm gonna forgive you, I receive the beauty of forgiveness. It makes me a forgiver. Are you following me? Yeah. So why in Colossians is that man forgiven? Because he's already forgiven. That's not the case in Matthew 6. Because he's bound by his own sin in, under the law then. Because if he doesn't forgive... He's judged under the law for unforgiveness. And he can't be forgiven. Through the blood and mercy of Jesus, he's judged as righteous and forgiven. And when you see the beauty of that, why wouldn't I see you the way he's seen me? It'd be pretty self-righteous for me not to see you the way he's seen me. I'm not better than you. Be pretty self-righteous and presumptuous, right? Come on. I want you to see one quick scripture again. 1 John, because this one, we as the church at large really don't understand. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. So the whole section of scripture beforehand was written so that we don't sin. So he wasn't telling you you're always living in sin. And if anyone sins, not when, if anyone sins, we have an advocate. He doesn't even talk about the whole forgiveness process. He doesn't even talk about confession and crying and and, God forgive me. He says and if anyone sins, he's talking about living out of the purity of your heart. Realizing, wow, that so wasn't the will of God. That is not the nature of God. That is not who I'm called to be. And you separate, you realize that the light's in your life. And you call things for what they are now Because you see And if anyone sins Look We have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous And here's literally what it's saying And he himself by his righteous plea Will see to it that you remain righteous That's what it's really translating to say It says He is the mercy for your sins The propitiation And look And not for yours only But for the whole world Because he shed his blood and sits at the right hand meeting on behalf of all men. There is mercy towards all men. And before a man even changes or does anything, he's not under the law of sin and death. Now that Christ died, if we the church understand, that's why if we forgive any man their sin, it shall be forgiven. They're not going to reap the fruit if we can walk in that and release grace over life. Keep them in intercession. Remit their sin. Talk to them and love them and show them mercy. They're not coming under the judgment that they would before we were saved. That's amazing. That's why this scripture right here is why an unbeliever can get healed on the streets who doesn't even believe in God and actually is cynical. Because there's mercy through the blood of Jesus for them. For their sins. Because the goodness of God changes their heart. Not you trying to set them straight. Yeah. well if you get your act together God might touch you but acting like that and talking like that he ain't coming with a 10 foot pole pal no that's just you offended and assaulted in a self-righteous belief and you're missing the mercy of God terribly probably because you don't receive his mercy well because I've learned that anyone that really receives his mercy has to be merciful how's that for straight talk People that have trouble with unforgiveness don't have a real clear unveiled face towards God and there's issues they still hold themselves for. How's that for a real straight talk? (laughs) She probably ought to let him love you, huh? (laughs) And if he says he loves you, you probably will say, okay. If he says, I forgive, thank you. and never bring it up again and just make resolution in your heart that your old man's dead and even if you stumble along the way jump up because it's not your intention to stumble that's why you feel bad and say God this is not who I am and I'm not condemned and I haven't it's not the end of the world you love me and the integrity of your love is putting honor in my life and discipline and diligence you motivate me you compel me God you're amazing and you keep on trucking in the face of an expression of human weakness. We think you've got to lose about three days of your sanctity and go in hiding and drag your lip on the cement yeah. if you're sincerely sorry. <laughs> no, if you're sincerely sorry, you care on the inside. Period. And if you care, it separates you from the action. And you've got to cut the action away from who you really are so who you really are can keep flowering apart from this lie. But as soon as you attach this to who you are, this flowering stops and you remain it kind of half-bloomed. Kind of drying in the heat of the sun. And <sighs> You get it? No. And if you sin, guys, you have an advocate pleading on your behalf, mediating your face before the throne. You have a friend in the holy place and His blood speaks on your behalf and bears witness of your destiny and your purpose and your true value it's before the Father He'll never change He's able to save you to the uttermost because He never changes He'll never die so He's able to save you Hebrews 7 to the uttermost those who come to Him by faith He saves to the uttermost it means completely and forever and not only your sins but the sins of the whole world so God has a merciful view towards the towards the whole world. So you go to somebody obstinate, belligerent, they're doing things, and, and in your former days you would have avoided them and stayed way away. And now love compels you just to talk to them. They're heading to the car, and you saw what they said, and you acted, saw what they acted like, and you saw they had a certain need in their life to this and that, and people, and and, and you're like, oh, and, and you go over there and you can see he has this certain condition, and you walk over and say, Hey man. What's up? Hey!" And, and he's acting the same way to you, and then you start talking to him. and Get out of here, man. I don't want the Jesus stuff. Well, that's alright. I'm not... Look, I felt compassion for you. I'm, I'm just in a place where I would love to pray for you. Why should I let you pray for me? I don't even want the Jesus. It's alright. You just don't understand. Listen. If you'll be humble, let me pray for you. 15 seconds. You'll see. Jesus loves you. He's real. You can talk just like that to a person like that. They could even be contesting. What, you telling me it's just going to change? You telling me my hand is just not going to be broke anymore? That I'm going to take this off and I'm going to be able to move it? That's what I'm here for, friend. Can I pray for you? I'm not asking you to believe, I'm asking you just to just let me pray. <laughs> I remember that happening one time to somebody. Was that you in my driveway years ago? It was, wasn't it? <laughs> I just saw your face and I just looked up and you were a teenager. And you were ready to leave. You were tired of me and dad talking about Jesus. He didn't even want to be there anymore. And I said, man, we need to be sensitive to your boy. He's, we've been here talking. We're talking Jesus. Me and his dad's like... <laughs> and he's like, he's not on page. He's just young. He's got a lot of things on his mind. And he just broke his hand. And he's just like, oh no, now another subject. Now another story. Now another testimony. He wasn't being rude. You could just tell he's ready to go before he got there. I'm just being real and I noticed him and I said man we need to be sensitive to your boy he's been here patient a long time and I said what would you do anyway man what about your hand well just broke it you just broke it something prayed for it he got home tell me if I'm telling this right he got home and got in the bathroom and just felt like he had to check it because he felt like something was up with it and unwrapped the whole thing without saying anything to mom and dad checked the whole thing dad <laughs> whoa dad calls me on the phone this is amazing Christus just took all that stuff off his hand and his hands healed. I went, well, yeah. <laughs> that happened? Yeah. Marked you, didn't it? And it doesn't mean he fell on his knees and surrendered and, and lived every day to a T for Jesus. But it marked him. And look where he's sitting today. Come on. Uh sorry about the table <laughs> <laughs> you feeling it see because see we have low understanding we have limited reactions sometimes we just, uh, just speak up well what's the difference well if they ain't getting born again what's the sense of healing them and praying for them if they didn't get saved I hear people say that I heard a man very popular and influential on TV say that recently and my heart broke I cried I said oh and I spoke out his name I said you have to know better and I hit the channel off and I began to pray He said, there's this movement now that people are going out and moving in the gifts and words of knowledge and healing the sick and they're not even leading people to the Lord. What's the use of getting them healed if you don't get them saved? (laughs) Ah! Pretty conditional string-attached motivation. Well, I ain't giving you anything in the kingdom unless you get saved. If you get saved, then I'll show you the goodness of God. Backwards! You mark a young man's heart with mercy. He doesn't even know why he needs to leave. He just doesn't have the revelation I have. Is he judged for that? No! God loves him. He has the same potential as anybody on the planet. And God knows all that. You touch him and you mark him. With a demonstration of God's mercy and love and reality, and it marks him, it seeds into him. Somebody waters that along the way, and God in his faithfulness brings increase. Amen. And if he'd be humble and you'd ask him, he went through some tough years in between then and right now, sitting in this class, and made mistakes he wished he never probably did some things you wish he didn't do, right? But God still touched him and healed him and knew all that ahead of time. Come on, he's amazing. The provision was already made for me to go love Chris and watch God move on his behalf because God said through the Son, I love you, Chris. You might not understand. Your heart might be far from me, but I've known you from the beginning. Healed. Hmm. Yeah, don't even mess with me with this thing I'll tell you, it's right here <laughs> That sure beats well If you get your life straight, I'll pray for you yes. How about you just forming in love and praying for them? Yes. Growing in revelation, growing in faith How limited is it? Well, if you get everything straight Or if you get saved, then I'll pray for you no, How about we pray for you and their heart melts How about I pray for you and you get marked for destiny so you're out there and that man's belligerent he's like well so you're telling me that's the plan how about we pray now and you pray and almighty God comes and touches that man right in the midst of the attitude of his heart now you tell me that's not a humbling moment Whew. and it's not an arrogant told you so you weep with him So listen man you just didn't understand how good he is but He's been showing me I wasn't moved by your attitude. You weren't even thinking of God, man. No, I was talking against Him. But He's been thinking for you since the beginning of time. He loves you, man. Yeah, he has to. He does, man. Can I hug you? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That, yeah. That, that's not just an analogy. No. I've been in that a lot. Yep. <laughs> because of Love you don't read a book by its cover, you see a book for its potential, for its destiny. You don't don't look at outward observation. You don't judge according to the flesh. You judge according to the spirit and you see men for their potential. You don't define Chris in my driveway as an obstinate, distracted, hard-hearted teenager. He's a young man going through what all of us went through and he doesn't need Mark because he seems impatient. He's ready to go home you love him because jesus does oh. and it does good for the bones <laughs> i just think it's cool because you, i remember your daddy telling me you didn't say nothing to him you went in the bathroom and took that thing off in secret because when i prayed for you you knew something was going on he just knew something he was curious and he was bugging him wasn't it he snuck in the bathroom and closed the door and a dad called me at home dad was pretty pumped it is funny mercy triumphs over judgment the goodness of God leads men love covers a multitude of you overcome evil with Isn't that amazing? They're all scriptures and somehow we miss that. And we get back into works and forget how we got saved by grace. (laughs) It says some people reap but they haven't even sown. You have to be very careful that when you reap, you don't get a wrong understanding and you don't, like, just feel like you're some great anointed fisher of men. And that you have the evangelistic in and you know. Because you led people to the Lord. No, you're reaping where other people had the faith and the time to sow. You're reaping where other men planted. probably ought to stay humble in the whole process, huh? I'm a gardener. I got a a beautiful garden. I just came home from Washington, PA yesterday, and my wife's out of town, and I jarred seven jars of beans. I did. In the kitchen. Late at night. (laughs) But I'll go out in the yard, my wife, she'll never pick up a shovel. She don't know nothing about planting nothing. She ain't never out there. She's a good girl. I'm not complaining. She don't need to be out there. But she is never in the garden. She never digs nothing, plants nothing, weeds nothing. It's amazing how when that stuff starts, them little sweet cherry tomatoes start getting red and I'll come around the house and there I see her from the back. Whoa, what are you smacking her on the butt? What are you doing? She's in there, you know, you come here cracker her on the butt. What are you doing? She looked back. And then she says this. Reaping where I haven't sown. That's what she says. <laughs> I said, well, you go, girl. That's the kingdom right there. Eat all you want. Eat the whole garden. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Reaping where I have not sown? <laughs> Sounds like the kingdom to me. Knock yourself out. <laughs> but watch this. If somebody didn't take the time to turn that ground, yeah. put that stuff in there and keep them weeds out, there'd be no harvest for her to partake of because nobody took the time to sow. But that's how it works, guys. So just because you walk up to her life and she falls into the palm of your hand and flops in the, in the boat like a fish caught, it's because somebody took the time. But there was a process of God wooing and loving and nurturing. And you had the great privilege of catching the fish. <laughs> we ought to all rejoice together that's why you pray for the sick whether they get saved scripturally or not always that's why you love people and give to them and sow into them and encourage them and hear for them and speak life over them whether they seem to appreciate it fall on their knees and worship Jesus or not why? because you're sowing into their life the truth Follow me? Moreover, when you fast. Hey, it's in there. <laughs> I ain't going to have no time to get there today. But watch this. No, actually, I won't be here tomorrow. Pastor Don will be here tomorrow, but I'm going to New Life for Girls. So you guys, I hope you don't mind. I am. I'm going up there. to Yeah, Irene. She's like, yeah, yeah I will. I'm going to New Life for Girls. I go there once a month. And I told Pastor when we do this school, I said, I ain't missing New Life for Girls. I love the students, but I love the girls. So I said, I ain't missing. <laughs> I, said, I tease them up there because they've all been through addiction and and uh, and uh, uh, withdrawals and all that stuff. I said, I'll stand there. I'll say, You girls know what withdrawals are? And I'll be like, <laughs> I, <can't stop. laughs> I just mess with them. And I say, well, that's how it is with me and New Life for Girls. I said, if about a little past four weeks goes by and ain't been to New Life for Girls, I start. And i would be going through my day. People are like, what's up with you? You get some coming down with Tourette's or something. New life, new life for New Life for Girls. <laughs> so I just gotta get and they just laugh. Oh. So I just gotta get there. I know God's taking good care of them, but i got to know they're doing well. So we go take message of life, speak encouragement. Sometimes I feel like I preach the same message month after month, and they sit there and just love it. They call me Happy Dan. I haven't figured that out, but they call me Happy Dan. I thought, well, I don't try to be happy, but they call me happy. Man, just think if I was trying to be happy, I'd say, wow, it's working. <laughs> just a thought. <laughs> Moreover, when you fast, obviously I'm not going to get into the whole lot of fasting stuff here, but I want you to see it's all tied together. From charitable deeds, this whole chapter. Actually, and I'm not, I'm not going to back up, but if you, if you in your time would back up in, Rome, in Matthew 5, verse 22, verse 28... Verse 32, verse 33, verse 34, verse 39, verse 44, all say they're topics of the way we think. And they all say, you say, but I say. All those scriptures I just quoted are different topics that Jesus addresses. And here's his, how he kicks it off. You say, but I say. You say, but I say. You know what that means? Through the fall of man, there's been a perversion of wisdom and truth. And man's taken life into his own hands and he's become a god to himself and his mind's become his own god and he's living in a realm that he calls wisdom and common knowledge that isn't even the language of Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is, you talk different than me, but yet I created you in my image and you're called to be my sons. But you talk different than me. You say this, but I say this. You say love your neighbor and hate your enemy, and I say love your enemy. <laughs> paragraph after paragraph, he hits stuff like that, that the fall of man perverted in us and muddied up the image of God. And here's the truth in flesh and blood, the word made flesh, the truth. And he says, Isn't it amazing? You created my image and you're predestined for my glory. But you say, and I say, and it's total contrast the whole chapter. It shows the effect of the fall of man, guys. Please don't be wise in your own opinion and don't value your own opinion, value the word of truth. If you can't find the mindset in Jesus, don't let it be in you. If you can't find the motivation in the heart of love, then don't let it be a principle of your life. Crucify it. You follow me? So isn't it amazing? Sermon on the Mount, he takes the whole chapter 5 and adjusts the language of what we say and what he says, and then verse 6 addresses the motive of heart in the areas of giving praying and fasting pretty spiritual topics and he's not nitpicking he's taking the time to make sure if you enter into these spiritual practices that it's coming from the right place so how important is that that's why we take this kind of time in the school to cover this stuff even if it seems redundant it's all here it has to be huge and now he's talking about fasting fasting Verse 19 is a new paragraph and he talks about treasures and material possessions, true? So he covers some major stuff, doesn't he? I, I won't, I'm making a point here because we're wrapping up today's class, but watch this. So Matthew 5, see look at the big picture of what he's doing here. And he's adjusting our language, he's adjusting our motive, and he goes through four topics of motive from giving, praying, fasting, and material things, and then kicks off the lamp of the body's your eye. He lays this groundwork of how twisted we got through the fall, and then he said, look God, guys, your, your, your eye is what determines you, and how you see is how you be. Oh, it's huge. Wow. Verse 24, and you can't serve two masters. There's no middle ground. There's not a little bit of spirit, a little bit of flesh, a little bit of you and a little bit of me. It's not halfway in or somewhat in. It's all the way in, right? I like what Todd preaches. He says, it's not 80-20. He said, if you hold back 20 and give 80, it seems like, hey, at least I'm giving a lot. But the 20 will slowly become 30, and the 30 will be 50, and the 50 will be 70. Because it's compromise. It muddies the whole picture. Because you teach yourself to hold on, possess things that aren't. The lamp of the body is the eye. Verse 22, therefore, if the eye is single, if it's good, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad... It means if it's not seeing clear if it's not seeing through truth if it's unhealthy if it's twisted if it's back in Matthew 5 saying what we've always said you get it if it's if it's Matthew 6 the same motivations that used to be then there's darkness i love this if therefore the light that is in you is darkness that sounds weird Light isn't darkness. What's he saying? You're made for the light. You're created for the light. God only sees you for the light. So if there's something other than light in you, it's not God's will, God's choice, God's sovereignty. It's what you're failing to see and become. But if the light in you is darkness, how great's the darkness? What he's saying is you're created for the light, Trish. If there's something less than light, it's what you're failing to see. And he says if that's the case, how great is the darkness? What's he saying? Just how twisted is your view? that's so powerful to me that's been powerful to me for 16 years I've been preaching that for 16 years and it sounds as fresh when I teach it to my own heart as the first time I ever taught it and I've taught that thousands of times it's something that's life to me because if God can get inside my perspective and change the way I see He can transform my whole life (laughs) and we grew up hearing well brother what you don't know won't hurt you (laughs) Straight from hell, what you don't know is destroying you. If he can change my eye, he can change everything. And then he goes right into this verse, no one can serve two masters. Why does he say that right on the heels of what he just said? Because that will dictate your vision, won't it? If you have compromise of interests. If you have a divided heart. True? You know what people do? People get in relationships, whether they're married or not. They're married or they're not. They get in relationships, they have struggles, and rather than get resolve, they let their heart drift into other desire. You'll watch people, they've worked for resolve for a while. They worked for resolve for a while, whether they're married or not, just working out a relationship. And if you don't get this before you're married, you know, certainly get this before you're married. Please. Because <laughs> it's covenant. You give, so so here's, here's, we're not working for resolve, so we can't get resolved. So now, now we're lacking. Now we're detriment. Now we're hurt. Now we're, now we're issue-oriented. And all of a sudden, this other desire, it's amazing how it happens. This other desire will rise up over here. And usually, in a marriage, certainly can be another person. And, and all of a sudden, they say the things you need to hear from here. And, 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 and all of a sudden, you got a spouse over I've watched this so many times, I, I, more than I care to, to admit. Because they're Christian people. And all of a sudden, this spouse over here, he realizes or she realizes, you know, uh, uh, I've been hard-hearted. I've been this, I've been that. And all of a sudden, they begin to give themselves to the things that they failed to give themselves to towards their spouse for years. But now their spouse has already received it here at some level. And it's provoked a desire that's only coming through hurt and lack. And now their heart's divided. And a heart divided. A house divided. Two masters. You end up loving the one and despising the other. You'll get committed to one and loathe the other. All of a sudden the husband's doing the thing they wish they'd have done their whole marriage. And now they don't even care. And now they resent the fact that they're doing it because they've set their affection here. It's a divided heart. Because we live in unresolve and unforgiveness. And it's total deception. Watch. So this desire here is totally built on fantasy, false motivation, and can never be love. Because love is here. To be worked out. The only reason you're even drawn here is because of the deficit here. The motivation of the attraction here is the pain here. It can't ever be love. At best, it's a starry eyed emotional whirlwind that temporarily surface meets your need. It's amazing. Just thought I'd throw that in there. I don't know. It's just a good way to end class. It's just school. Come on, think with me. And it remains needs driven. And it's a gross expression of self-serving or self-centeredness. Because this is all about you meeting your need. And it can't even be love. Just say it. <laughs> Straight talk. <laughs> I've been in those counseling rooms a whole lot. Well, that's no fair. You can't tell me I don't love him. You can't tell me I don't love her. Yes, I can you don't even understand love God is love you're so hurt over here you have no capacity for love you have capacity for need and you have deficit and it's driving you and honestly you wouldn't even be looking at that guy if your marriage was good he's not even handsome to you it's what you're getting from him that you're drawing to I've told marriages that they sit and cry and some of them know what I'm saying is right but they're so hurt and so unwilling and they're so given now to this that they just want to appease the flesh I've watched it I watched one lady look at me and cry and said well I just need to do this I had a brother say well I just need to do this I said no it's because you've entangled your heart and you need to be integral and cut the strings of your heart through faith right now in prayer and, and suffer your flesh and cease to sin and say I have no right to this And I've watched people, quote, in the Lord. It's weird, isn't it? Just go, driven by pain. No one can serve two. I got that out of this. That's where I was. No one can serve two masters. You see why it's good to make Jesus first? Because even if my spouse isn't measuring up to what the Bible says she should be, I'm not even keeping track. (laughs) Because I'm in Christ and I love it. I'm just making sure I'm what I'm called to be. (laughs) Some of us are hearing sermons for one another. (laughs) Instead of ourselves. (laughs) And you sit in church and you think, and you look at your spouse and think, God, don't you right now? You should be hearing what he's saying. See, that's the devil. Look, it always happened. devil just pulling him away. Uh, and then your little child, Freddie. You know, Freddie, get off his lap. Get off her lap. Don't distract now. Oh, God, you're, Oh, why would you let the devil use my own little kid to distract my husband? He should be listening right now. <laughs> and by the end of the service, you're a wreck because you feel like the devil just stopped the move of God and didn't deliver your husband so he could love you more. What a twisted bunch of mess. (laughs) You know what I'm telling happens all the time? (laughs) Is it all right if we just talk like this, plain? (laughs) See, you're not reading your Bible to weigh if your spouse is doing what they should. You're reading your Bible to know God so that you're always in a position to be Christ-like. And all of a sudden, He is first. And now you have the capacity to love. If there's anything lacking here, you don't even see it because it's just love. And if you do see it, your response is still love because you want to nurture that and strengthen that and build that up and affirm and take off certain things and you just want to bless. It's never then manipulation and it's never selfish. And You see why Jesus needs to be first if you're going to be in a relationship? If you're already married, it just be good to like make sure to position things right. <laughs> and if you're not married, please position things right. No one can serve two masters, for either will he hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then he mentions riches and money and he says, you know, you can't serve God in the love of money is what he's talking about. Or the love of material things. But that works with anything, true? I had one Christian girl got hurt in her marriage and she was doing some crazy off-the-wall stuff and it, was just, it just it just, fascinates you if, I'm, if that's the right word. It's like, you marvel, you're like, what? And you get her alone and talk to her And her rationale was, well, I've been good my whole life and I just want to have some fun. (laughs) That was just an expression of feeling sorry for herself. She's picking up something that she called dead and taking on rights that she doesn't have. And then hurting herself terribly. The story just, just turned out terrible. So when you fast, you're not going to be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. Back in verse 16. For they disfigure their faces. They want everybody to know they're doing a spiritual thing. It's actually an amazing fleshy thing when you do it <laughs> this way. <laughs> but shortly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in heaven in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There's the same terminology. Did you ever notice... The same terminology. Look at verse 6. When you pray, secret place. Father in secret sees you and rewards you what? Openly. Now, did you notice that language? Oh, it's there with charitable deeds too. And they have the reward to know. Oh yeah, that's charitable deeds. Yeah, I wanted to make sure. Isn't that beautiful? So, that's important to me. I'm just seeing this. I'm like, whoa, there's something here so powerful. This is cool. So he says the same thing with prayer. Charitable deeds, then prayer. Father sees in secret, word openly. Fasting, not to do it to men. Father, see in secret, reward you what? Openly. Man. We're done too with time. I can't open this up. I don't have time. It's so good. Ah, oh. it's all right. Yeah, yeah. Let me just say this, and it's just—it's just there. It ain't going anywhere. It's gonna say the same thing the next time we open the book. Is that so cool or what? Aren't you glad God's not like fickle, or schizophrenic, or something? It's like, what? Yesterday you said. What if he changed? His, what if he opened his word and he was moody? And like one day if he was like he loves you, and the next day you read and I'm thinking about it. They're like what? There's no turning or shifting of shadow. There's a constant with God that we haven't experienced with one another. Wonder if that constant is love, and God's trying to get us back to the place where we're constant even with one another, and that what you see is what you get, and it's not changing. Isn't that the plan of God? Isn't that why we're Christians? Isn't that why we're born again and saved? Yeah. That the beauty of who He is is the beauty of who we are. And the whole earth looks and sees and knows He's God. Come on, that's powerful. That's why you're Christians. I'm just going to quit with this. Uh, I'm not even going to address fasting. i, I just not now. But, but did you... I mean, I, I'm getting something out of this stuff. This keeps me... The motive thing and the charitable deed thing and the praying and the fasting. God see them in secret in my heart and keep me pure and God being the rewarder. Amen? Did you have a question, comment? This is good. We've got five minutes. It's good. I mean, I would had to try to fill time and come up with something to preach or something. Um. I was wondering to what level of encouragement um, do you keep pouring into people in love in a couple um, when the level of maybe um, mortal danger has come into play? Oh, it's it's an excellent question. Look, this love thing we're preaching is not some mushy, I love you. It's a motive. Love is a motive. Uh, Sometimes you snatch people out of the fire. Sometimes you save with compassion. Love discerns the difference. There's times where i see people uh, in their actions, they know better, they're, they've got hurts, they're using their hurts as their excuse, they're justifying their flesh, they're literally pouring gas on themselves and lighting the match. I address that stuff with people for their sake, not because they're wrong. Did you get that? I know why I address that with people, not because they're wrong. Not because they shouldn't do that, but for their sake, because they're destroying their potential destiny, their life. You get it? So I don't just sit and watch and have a knowledge of the word and go, oh, well, that's not right. Well, that ain't right. Then I walk over and try to set them straight. Don't touch people that way. That's that's, that's called Bible thumping. We've handled one another that way so much that's why a lot of people (laughs) are a little touchy sometimes because we touched each other that way so much you gotta keep so much but to answer your question love is a given it's always about love but there's times you 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 in the bible even you have to discipline you have to call people on things you have to get alone and get real straight and 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 expose somebody's motives to hold them into true account and give their soul and heart every opportunity to respond where you know there's no deception that they see where they're heading you give them every opportunity for change do you see what i mean there's 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 amazing situations but you don't Fail to love, there's, uh, there's, 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 there was one for certain, and there was another one for a season. There was two situations, actually, the one I, I remember more than the other, but uh, where I actually actually encouraged a marriage the only two times ever I actually saw that it was beneficial for them to separate for a short season, for a strong purpose, with a, a vision of reuniting in the Lord. Not to just separate. But to se- it was very hard. I was like, God. Because I felt like it couldn't have been an answer. And in that case it was. It was the wisdom of God. It just cleared enough smoke. It got, think it got their eyes back this way. There was so much embroiled that they, it had gone way beyond. Their struggle beyond, grew way beyond where they ever grew this way. And they didn't even know how to be spiritual anymore in their situation. It was so embroiled. Split it with, the union, with, a, with a purpose of reunion and rejoining. So they were just separating for a season. Almost like a season of fasting and prayer. Not because of so much trouble. But to grow in Him with a vision of reuniting. Coming together. Spending some time together. Almost as if they were dating. But the whole time under the understanding. We are in covenant. We're working this out. And we're seeking Him first. Seeking ye first. But got them apart. Because they weren't doing well together. They were way over the edge. See, if you don't have a vision of restoration, you can't just tell people, well, you shouldn't be with him right now. Well, you shouldn't be with her right now. And there's no vision of reuniting because what you do is then you teach people how to live alone. All of a sudden other desires rise, insecurities, and now you're teaching people how to live alone. So, you know, these things are difficult, but but love has to be our motive. And there's it's not a mushy, cushy thing. It's not like, oh honey, everything's okay. No, everything's not always okay. But you love people in the midst. love should motivate us to minister in a certain way. So there's times that... Oh, I could just tell you so many stories. It's times that people bring you to great tears. And, and I've gone to this point. Uh, great tears in compassion to where they'll even cry. Because they see your love for them. But the, they're reduced because of sin-drivenness, because of, of, of hurt, because of willful unforgiveness. They're just, well, I can't forgive. All of a sudden they can hear and the highest level of grace they can receive is the fact that they see you care so much about that. And they'll cry with you. But they're already set on this. And sometimes you just have to you cry and you let people know, listen, this is truth. This is what this is. And right now I believe you see it. Why would you do this to yourself? God, I pray that God show you your value. You are so much more than what you're choosing. And da-da-da, why would you let this be the... And cry, and, and, and I'll, I'll literally say, this is your answer, and I can't help you beyond this. I've done that with people. Cry. But I love them. And the last thing they need me to do every day is say, oh, but I love you, honey. It's not, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about love. Oh, I love you, honey. No, it's about knowing my motivation towards you. If I'm correcting you, it's for your sake. It's not because I have a need to be right in your life. It's not because I have the answer. And I've been reading my Bible and, oh, you need to know what the Word says in that. Well, you shouldn't be doing that because the Bible says stop that. That's not what we're doing. It's called love. There's there's heart involved. Does that make sense? So I I you know your question was general, but it had a focal point. So I hope I answered it. it, it just, there's no textbook. Every situation's different. There's no textbook. One, two, three, four. It's a heart and love thing, and you need to learn to discern in love. And some people you save from the fire, and some you save with compassion. Some people you snatch out of fire. Some you save with compassion. We need to know the difference. Some you go an extra mile with, and some it seems like you just need to go another mile on top of that. And some people it's like you can't go any further, but you lay a strong thing of truth and you put it in their hand. You see what I mean? But you don't mush love. We're not talking about mushy love. We done? We're roll, oh, yeah. We're not talking about a mush love. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Like, oh, it's okay, honey. Now, there's times you need to wrap your arm around a sister and say, Listen, girl, I need to talk plain with you. And you begin to cry for them. You take a brother for a walk. You take him for a ride. and And don't be afraid to be emotional and get real. And say, Listen, dude, I see a value in you. You got me so shook. Man, don't you go take me there. No, you don't get it, man. No, stop right now and be a man and look at me. I talk to people, friends like that behind the scenes. No, you look at me. Do you think I have a need to be right in your life? What do you think this is about nitpicking and fault finding? No, I see you making decisions that you know in your heart are unproductive and they are going to bite you. Don't you live from pain anymore, man. Come on, let's pray. Let's get on track and I'll plead with them. I've been through all that stuff more than she knows what I'm talking about because she's been in that for years with people. Irene. But it's because we love people. Amen. Let's close. We're done. We're past time to well, stand to your feet. Let's honor Jesus. Stand to your feet. We're just going to thank Him. It's going to be a quick prayer, but be, be of the heart. Amen? Father, You're doing amazing work in us. Your Spirit is working in us. You might want to believe that right now for your own life. Father, You're working in me. Your Spirit is in me. Transforming, changing, bringing light into situations. Defining love and absolutely forming my heart after Your heart. I thank You. We are one in the same. You're my Father and I'm Your child. And thank You, Your Spirit lives in me. It's my desire to walk in love, to manifest Your great image and Your great nature all across this earth. Thank You for the privilege of life. Amen? Amen. Bless you guys. Yay!